You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to episode 87 of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, updates, and speculation and excitement for all the awesome new projects and movies coming up in the Star Wars universe, um, gearing up for episode 8, The Last Jedi, as we get closer to that this year. Um, so as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Doing good. It's been a little slow these last few weeks in the Star Wars universe, but Things are going to be ramping up pretty soon. we got Rebels coming back this weekend and then celebrations right around the corner. And, you know, that's where the floodgates are going to open for The Last Jedi. So. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. A little slow right now, but the good stuff is right around the corner. Yeah. And, you know, it, I mean, it has been slow the past, like, two or three weeks or so. But this past week, we've gotten a couple uh, new Episode Eight rumors and stuff that we'll talk about. So, um, yeah, not a, a whole ton of big news going on, but we do have... Um, you know, some, some stuff to talk about, um, you know, enough to fill an episode and, uh, we should be able to, uh, you know, talk about some interesting stuff, have some good discussion. And then at the, at the end, we will, uh, have a bit of discussion about some fan debates we had going on on Twitter recently. Um, and, An uh, important debate. Yeah. Yeah. A, a very <laughs> important debate. And it's not, uh, about Tim liking Attack of the Clones more than Return of the Jedi. Um, we still need to devote a whole episode to like holding you accountable in court for that. Um, <laughs> I will gladly defend myself and stand trial. <laughs> um, he controls the Senate and the courts. Uh, we won't go there. Um, anyway, let's jump into talking about some movie stuff and then, uh, yeah, we'll get into some of this other fun discussion later. Um, but as always, you know, we like to talk about the official movie news first, which, um, like we said, no new big trailers or anything, but we did get uh, our first tidbits of information today about the episode eight panel that they're going to be having at Celebration Orlando this year uh, coming up in April. Um, it, they officially confirmed that Kathleen Kennedy and Ryan Johnson will both be there um, to no one's great surprise, really, but it's just cool to think about, you know, getting closer to that and, um, you know, all the, the cool stuff that we're going to see. Um, and then they also said, let me see, I'm just opening up the uh, announcement page here. Um, but they say, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and Ryan Johnson are going to be there, and then there also will be a few surprises and special guests, um, which 
obviously I think we can assume to mean uh, some of the stars of the movie. Cause I think they said the same thing for celebration Anaheim last year, where I think the yeah. only official announcements were JJ Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy and special guests, which, you know, turned out to be Daisy Ridley and John Boyega and Oscar Isaac and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. And uh, I don't even remember who else they had out there, but you know, they had stormtroopers and the remote control BB eight that came out on stage that made everybody lose their minds. So um, you know, obviously we'll, I'm sure we'll see some cast members, maybe some new aliens or droids or whatever. And then, uh, most excitingly, um, you know, I, I would bet that we'll see our first trailer there as well. Um, even though it doesn't specifically say here, but you know, that's what the big, uh, you know, the big kickoff thing here is going to be. Although I guess this panel is going to be on Friday, not Thursday, like it was last time. Um, but still, like that's going to be probably the the highlight of the convention for a lot of people is getting to see that first look at episode eight. So, uh, no doubt. I mean, I think that's that what where it says surprises. It's going to be <laughs> that trailer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's safe to assume that it's going to be the first trailer we're going to get for episode eight. I mean, the timing right is April. Um, we know what's coming out in December. Usually, our first look, and that's how it was with Rogue One. The first teaser was out in that time. You got. A big Disney movie coming out just a few weeks later with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. You would think the Last Jedi trailer would be attached with that. So the timing does seem right. But I know there's been a little scuttlebutt, some rumors going around the last few weeks where it's possible that the trailer might not be there and they might get a behind-the-scenes footage reel, kind of like how Rogue One was at Celebration Europe. And that kind of got me a little worried at first because it wouldn't be the same if it was just like that because... I mean, we were there for Celebration Anaheim when they showed the Force Awakens trailer there, and how amazing it was is everyone losing their minds and just being so excited to see in that trailer. And I would like to think they'd want to capture that again for The Last Jedi being the sequel to The Force Awakens. So, I mean, it's not official yet where it's 100% confirmed, but I'm pretty sure we're going to get that trailer in the or the teaser at that panel. I mean, why wouldn't they want to hold it off? I mean, if it's going to be around that time anyway, why not have it debut at Celebration Orlando? So I think we're going to get it there. And yeah, so marking my calendar right now for April 14th as like a big Star Wars day to look forward to, where I'm going to be counting down the days because uh, just, I mean, we speculated before what we're going to be excited to see in that trailer and knowing that it's going to be right around the corner now. We have an official date. It's going to be so much fun. And just even the panel itself is going to be cool. I mean, who knows what new information we're going to get about The Last Jedi, some new details on the familiar characters, Ray, Finn, Poe, and Kylo Ren, kind of what their status is when the movie starts. We'll probably get some cool images of the characters with their new outfits, kind of like how it was at The Force Awakens, where they talk about each character and show some cool new images. And maybe get some new details on the new characters, like uh, Kelly Marie Tran's character, Laura Dern's character, Benicio Del Toro's character. Maybe we'll get some images and names to them. So a lot of the stuff to look forward to at that panel. And I just can't wait. Yeah, for sure. I mean, who knows? Maybe those actors will be there too. So true. Yeah. Um, yeah. You never know who's going to drop by. Um, but I, I do kind of agree with what you're saying, how it's a little weird where it's not kicking off Celebration Orlando this time. Because to me, it was perfect the way Celebration Anaheim started off with a bang. And maybe you could say, you know, what could possibly live up to that after like, the after that panel? Then you got the other days to go to, but I don't think that was really an issue because the Rebels panel was awesome. 
uh, at Celebration Anaheim, the conversation with uh, Gareth Edwards where we got our first look at Rogue One was awesome. The Battlefront panel. So I don't think that was an issue as far as like nothing could really top that because each has their own unique specialness to it. But it does seem like a great way to kick off a celebration is to have it big with the new Star Wars movie. So it seems like you started big or you ended big. So mm-hmm. it's kind of weird that it's in the middle on a Friday. Yeah. Well, if anything, I mean, it might just be a thing where, like, you know, at all these conventions and stuff, Friday is always a busier day than Thursday. Like, Friday and Saturday are always kind of the two biggest days. And so maybe they want to wait till they're more people who are able to be there although i don't see how that would be an issue because i mean at celebration anaheim last year like well i just i keep saying last year it wasn't last year because now we're in 2017 it was two years ago which is crazy it's like where did the time go tell me about it but i mean i guess when you to put it in perspective that we've gotten two star wars movies come out in theaters since you know that happened so um i'm like oh yeah i guess it was a while ago um but yeah, like, I mean, obviously it was packed there, you know, we were in the overflow room um, and not, you know, there in the room with the main stage and it was still crowded. And I mean, I remember reading that they had like a bunch of other overflow rooms. I don't know how full any of those were, but, you know, maybe they just want to give more people a chance to be able to get down to Orlando, like, you know, by Friday and be able to, um, you know, be there for it. Um, or maybe they have something else cool planned for Thursday to kick it off. I don't know. Um it's also, too, though, because what worked out so good with the Force Awakens one, since it was on the first day, you didn't have to worry about, you know, missing a full day of the convention, just waiting a line. <laughs> yeah. Sure, like that whole Thursday, I mean, <laughs> most people are just going to be aligned for that panel on Friday and they'll be missing out on stuff. So I don't know, maybe there won't be that many big things on Thursday to miss out on. But still, I don't know, it's kind of one of those things where you'd hate to lose a day at the convention just waiting online for something that's going to be the day after. But I guess if anyone who's going to the Celebration Orlando who's been to San Diego Comic-Con, it's just old hat for them <laughs> waiting in line <laughs> yeah. for the Hall 8 stuff for like a day or two. So maybe it's, it's how it's going to be for this as well. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I would think, you know, you should be able to at least still get some stuff in during the day and then, um, you know, join the line overnight or whatever. Yeah, like but... you said, too, it kind of depends on how many like overflow rooms they're going to have for this one, which I'm sure is going to be a good amount. Oh yeah. I'm sure there'll be a lot. So, um, regardless, I mean, unfortunately neither of us are going to be able to be there, um, for this. The only part that sucks about this whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, looking forward to being at the next one, you know, next time it's Anaheim or somewhere on the West coast for sure. But I guess the silver lining is we don't have to wait in line for a whole day or half a day or overnight or whatever. We can just get on our computers and watch the live stream of it. Um, yeah, but there's still something special about being in the room with all those other fans. Oh, absolutely. But no, the energy it creates. Yeah, no, I would not trade that experience of being at Celebration Anaheim for anything. Like, I'm not saying I wish I had stayed home and, you know, avoided the crowds. Like, yeah, that definitely makes it fun. Um, it's just, you know, there, there are some silver linings to, uh, you know, it's like if you're not going to be able to go, it might, might as well enjoy the fact that you don't have you know masses of people pressed up against you but um yeah no next time we're able to go to one though like i will be there for sure episode nine panel i mean (laughs) i can't imagine let's look way ahead to that panel i mean this is gonna be the last one of the trilogy i'm sure they're gonna go all out for that one too so (laughs) yeah plus who knows what animated shows or video games or 
uh, even, you know, uh, spinoff movies, we'll be seeing stuff for at that next convention. So, um, yeah, we could probably be get like the full like new slate of Star Wars movies after episode nine. And then, you know, they finish on solo would be out by then and they'll probably announce what the next anthology movies are going to be. So that'll be yeah. a big thing to get there too. Yeah. And you know, maybe something about, um, you know, I don't, have you heard about this, the, the sort of fan movement that's going on online for this old Republic Netflix series where, I saw a little bit of it the last few days. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, I talk about this this a lot. You guys know how big a fan I am of the Old Republic era, and I would love to see them do something in that time period. But, you know, so sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm the one, like, harping on that too much, being like, oh, do Old Republic, do Old... But, you know, I'm like, I can wait. Like, I hope they get around to it at some point, and it would be awesome to see, but I'm not, like, holding my breath. But then there's apparently, like, a petition for them to make an old Republic Netflix series that's gotten like 400,000 signatures online or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, well by all means, like, yes, let's sign the petition. I guess I'm not the only one that wants this. So, um, you know, now I'm starting to feel like, well, you know, again, I wasn't like holding my breath or expecting them to do this anytime real soon, but you're starting to get, you know, support numbers now that are like hard to ignore. So, um, I don't know. We might see that at some point, you know, not real soon, obviously, but if we're talking about a convention two years from now, we could maybe get an announcement about it or something like that. Man, look at us speculating for a convention that's going to be two years down the line, not even the next celebration Europe. <laughs> nope. Well, because I'm not going to be able to travel to Europe, most likely. Uh, it's never too far ahead to start speculating. Nope. That's what I'd say. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, the one thing I can't speculate about at all is what we're going to see in the episode nine trailer, because I'm like, I kind of have to see episode eight first to even try to fathom what that's going to be about. Yeah, <laughs> but it's no harm in trying, though. Yeah, <laughs> although You're bored one day just started to think, what could episode nine possibly be without knowing what happens in episode eight? Yeah, well, based on previous Star Wars storylines, I mean, I guess you can kind of you know, it's kind of easy to assume that there will be a big final climactic showdown between, you know, maybe Ray and Kylo Ren or between Luke and Snoke or, you know, a big uh, space battle or ground battle or something between the resistance and the first order. Um, you see, before yeah. even episode seven came out, like we were, even back then speculating up to episode nine, I would think how cool it would be to have like the last big grand battle of the star wars saga take place on moribund which we've never seen before with a bunch of jedi versus a bunch of sith like this is before we even knew about the knights of ren in the first order Just yeah that type of thinking of grand epic scale of how it could end but now we got some perspective so i'm not necessarily necessarily sure that will happen but a moribund would be cool too but it wouldn't really make sense for them to get all involved with the sith homeworld unless snoke actually was a sith Exactly, so that's what I'm saying. It doesn't make like, much sense now. <laughs> well, uh, unless he, you know, you, you go by a certain theory of uh, a certain Sith Lord who was wise and may or may not have already been dead. What was his name? Darth Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> and that, my friends, is why this theory is still alive. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thank you, Lawrence Kasdan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously we could speculate years in the future about star wars stuff but um you know again like we say all the time it's just awesome that there's all these new possibilities out there and the fact that you know we're speculating about star wars movies that'll be announced two years from now isn't crazy because we know they're gonna keep making them yeah. and there are all these 
stories they can tell. So that's the best part. It's never going to end, at least as yeah. far as we know. Yeah. And also, it's just us channeling our disappointment that we can't go to celebration next year or this year. It's yeah. like we just have to imagine what it'll be like the next time we do go. Yeah, <laughs> trying to make ourselves feel better. Yeah. Um, but anyway, in addition to this post today about the, um, you know, the panel uh, you know, at Celebration, uh, Ryan Johnson posted an image on his Tumblr page um, just to kind of go along with the announcement. It's a, a backstage picture from filming of a bunch of stormtroopers. Um, and then it looks, I mean, one of them's got his helmet off and I can't tell, like, is that supposed to be him, like, having a cameo in the movie? You know what, I've heard, cause remember there was a rumor about Tom Hardy possibly yeah. being a Stormtrooper? And I first saw some tweets saying that, I was like, that Tom Hardy? And it's kind of hard to tell, but it could be him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the image is kind of grainy, so yeah, it's hard to tell. I just, I guess my first assumption was, well, the image came from Ryan Johnson, and there's kind of an undistinguishable face, but, you know, just one Stormtrooper with his helmet off, like, that's probably him, right? Especially because I don't know if J.J. Abrams had a cameo in The Force Awakens, but I know a lot of directors do these days. Um, yeah. Like, I know uh, Gareth Edwards did have a cameo in Rogue One. Um, I think Ryan Johnson, if I remember correctly, he had a cameo in Rogue One. Did he? Could be. I get the two yeah. of them confused sometimes. So maybe I heard about Ryan Johnson having a cameo and assumed it was Gareth Edwards. But I thought Gareth had one, too. Yeah, I know Gareth definitely did, but they probably both did. <laughs> I mean, why not? But I yeah. know they definitely fact, talked to each other on their set, so. Yeah, well, I think I do remember hearing something about, um, or maybe it was like either Gareth Edwards or like Phil Lord or Chris Miller from the Han Solo movie, like having a cameo in episode eight or something like that. Like, I know these guys are all you know, visiting each other's sets and jumping in each other's Stormtroopers costumes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, speaking of which, I was going to ask you, Tim, because I saw people saying that, you know, oh, these are like the, you know, the different uh, type of stormtroopers for episode eight. Could you tell a difference in the armor or the helmets or whatever? Um, yes, I did, actually. I kind of picked up on that right away because I've said before how in the original trilogy, you can see little tweaks here and there with the stormtrooper helmets and the armor. And I got the same vibe from this. And Ryan Johnson confirmed it, too, when people were asking about that on Twitter. He says, yep, there has been some tweaks. And to me, what I noticed anyway is that, like, on the bottom part of their mouth, where the helmet is, or the mouth part of the helmet, where it looks like it's a little more streamlined than it was in The Force Awakens. It seems a little more smoother, not quite as wide. I mean, it's very mm. little, but I think when you compare them, and I actually did a little bit with some First Order images from The Force Awakens and this one, you can tell a little difference with that. So I think it's cool that it's just a small tweak keeping in line kind of what the original trilogy did with the Stormtrooper armor. I think it looks a little better, too. Uh, it's a little more smooth and streamlined. So, yeah, I was geeking out a little bit of something so small, but I'm <laughs> still so glad that it was there. Yeah, and I think it might also, like just go straight down a little bit more and maybe not slant out quite as much. Mm -hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's kind of hard for me to tell, but it's like just glancing at it. I'm like, you know, it for one, like for whatever reason, it does look subtly different. Like, I don't know if you took one of these stormtrooper hel stormtrooper helmets and put it side by side with an episode seven one, I could probably tell you which one is the episode seven and which one is the episode eight just based on gut feeling, but I probably couldn't point out the specific differences. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of how it was for the original trilogy stormtrooper helmets, which I mean, 
when you see when you see one, you can kind of go, oh yeah, it's a Return of the Jedi one or a New Hope one, and it's kind of similar to this too. So I mean, nothing drastic like Phase One and Phase Two clone trooper helmets. <laughs> yeah, but still, I'm glad they're kind of doing little tweaks here and there for it. And curious to see if they'll do more for Episode Nine, which I kind of hope they do. I mean, why not? Just continue to tweak a little bit for each movie, just try to make it as cool as possible. Mm. And meanwhile, I'm over here just like, give us some new ships. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we still flying 30-year-old X-Wings and TIE Fighters just with new rims on them? That's going to be the next trilogy. Don't worry. Episodes 10, 11, and 12. <laughs> uh, yeah, one of, the, one of these days. Yeah, You want to talk about speculating way far down the line. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but X-Wings are so classic. Their design is so good and classic. You'd be, you could see those still being in style like years down the road after this trilogy too. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Maybe with more modifications. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know, just especially getting a new trilogy of Star Wars, I feel like, you know, just new ship designs and stuff are part of what makes it so cool. Um, and of course, I, I'll always love classic X-Wings. And yeah, there's part of me that's like, oh, you can never get too much of that. But then that's what we've got Rogue One for. It's like, we don't have to you know, justify having a movie like that's set 30 years later and they still have X-Wings and TIE Fighters. We can just make a movie that's set in the same time period that still has X-Wings and TIE Fighters that we all love, but then adding in new stuff like U-Wings and TIE Strikers that, frankly, like, those should have been in The Force Awakens. Uh, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I know exactly where you're coming from. I mean, <laughs> it's a complaint that I share, too, but at the same time, too, it's not like they're bad designs <laughs> that you don't get yeah. tired of seeing, so... No, it's not obviously. the worst thing that there is. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not, like, complaining about the designs at all. It's just, it's like, yeah, the stuff they used is cool. I just wish there was, like, more new stuff. Give us something cool that we haven't seen before. And who knows? Maybe there will be some type of new ship that they're not revealing just yet for Episode Eight. I hope so. Um, but anyway, I mean, I feel like I go on this rant, like, every two or three episodes. So uh, <laughs> we can just get on with the rest of the news here. Um the one other bit of official news about episode eight that we've got um, is that there's this actor named Jimmy V um, who has been officially announced um, to uh, kind of fill in uh, Kenny Baker's shoes um, as the actor playing R2-D2 in episode eight. Um, and then actually, I mean, it turns out that I guess he actually did um, some of R2 scenes in The Force Awakens and just kind of went uncredited. Um, kind of the same way that there was that guy... Um, I forget his name, but he's like a seven foot tall, like European guy who actually did most of Chewbacca's stuff in the force awakens. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, they just let the, the classic actors, you know, get the credit for it. But, um, you know, Peter Mayhew was getting old and, you know, Kenny Baker was getting old at the time and then, you know, sadly passed away last year. So, um, now Jimmy V is going to be, you know, taken over full time as R2D2. And I guess whatever scenes, um, they need, you know, somebody controlling him for, cause I know we were talking about this before and we were both, um, kind of under the impression that they were mostly just using like these robotic, uh, you know, R2 units now and stuff. Um, but I guess for at least some stuff, I, whether it's out of necessity or just, uh, wanting to sort of pay homage to the roots of the series and, uh, you know, have that sort of classic, like practical feel to it. Um, you know, they, they at least are still going to have some stuff where they've got an actor inside uh, the, I was going to say suit, but I don't know if you call it a suit for a droid, a, you know, mechanical body, whatever that thing is. Um, 
but you know it's cool to know that uh, he's going to be the guy taking over for r2d2 now yeah i mean it kind of stinks that you know we have to talk about someone taking over for kenny baker now that he's no longer with us but good for the actor jimmy v to step into you know iconic uh, character like r2d2 but like you were saying i was surprised that they, they needed a new actor to portray r2 because for most of the force awakens i just thought it was to you know the r2 builders they brought on set and was remote control and that was used for the majority of the shots and thought it would continue for episode eight so i mean like you were saying too there probably would be some other shots where they would need some more emotion or movement to bring out r2 uh, to bring it more to life so it makes sense are they still need one but i was just kind of surprised by it so yeah good for mm -hmm. uh, the actor to be able to step in to fill the shoes of Kenny Baker and play R2-T2. I'm sure he must be really excited. Yeah. Or actually in this article here, it says uh, V will play the droid when he's walking on two feet and other shots are achieved with a radio controlled unit. Yeah. Um, so, and that kind of makes sense because yeah, some of those times when R2 is kind of just standing on two legs and kind of wobbling around, um, it's like, yeah, I guess that would kind of be hard to achieve with, you know, just remote control stuff. Um, and I'm trying to remember, like, I don't, I mean, I can't even remember any specific scenes where he does that in The Force Awakens, but... Um... just I think the only, if I remember right, at the very end when uh, Ray arrives on Act 2, where you see R2 and Chewie at the Falcon, does he kind of move that way a little bit? Kind of like he used yeah, to... Yeah, maybe. That's the one that comes to mind, because <laughs> we know he was uh, not powered up for most of the movies. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um... They should have right. his uh, rocket packs, though, or his uh, <laughs> rockets for his legs to fly around again. Yeah, somehow I get the feeling they're not really going to want to be uh, too keen to bring that back into it. Um, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, yeah, on. I mean, I don't have a problem <laughs> with it, but, um, you know, given how how dead set they all seem on being on, you know, sort of sticking to the original trilogy, uh you know, themes and, and references and stuff like that. I mean, is he really going to climb all those stairs to get to Luke <laughs> on actually when he has those jetpacks? Eh, <laughs> oh. I don't know. Yeah, unless, unless they had him removed for whatever reason in the official canon story. Yeah, <laughs> we'll maybe it's just reveal. been like 50 years since he's used them and they've rusted up. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That story has to be told one day. Or they got fried when uh, the the Jawa shot him with the ion blaster in A New Hope. Well, I, I could buy that. And but, Luke just never bothered to either realize he had them or <laughs> do anything. About yeah, them. right. It's like he's going to use them in Episode Eight, and Luke's going to be like, "You've had those the whole time." Yeah. <laughs> you mean you easily could have come out of the desert with Jabba sail barge. We'd have to pick you up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, he was actually, no, I guess that, yeah, they did pick him up by his head. I was going to say he was upside down, but no, it was three PO who was upside down. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> um, it'd make for a funny moment in the movie. Yeah. Well, they had to go pick up three PO anyway, so it's not like it would have saved him a whole lot of effort if R2 rocketed himself out. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Well, anyway, um, we've got the official news. Now let's talk a couple of episode eight rumors. Um, and, you know, as always with, you know, some of this leaked stuff, you know, 
spoiler-ish alert, but this isn't any, uh, you know, big shocking reveals or anything like that. One of these rumors is just about a planet, and then one is um, about um, kind of Finn's role in the movie, and then some stuff with the First Order and, and things like that. So, um, But it is good to note that uh, the guys at Making Star Wars um, are back at it again, and that, you know, they haven't lost all their sources, because we heard, like, very little from them last year, I think. But, um, of course, as we get closer to uh, episode eight now, um, you know, it seems like they're starting to put some more and more stuff out. Um, and uh, so in this first rumor that's talking about, um, like, the First Order, it's talking about maybe a new Super Star Destroyer that they're going to have in this movie. Um, kind of similar to the one we saw in Empire Strikes Back, of course, but they're saying this is just a huge triangle-shaped wedge that's just, like, solid and dark and doesn't have, like, all these other big structures and stuff built onto it, um, kind of like the, you know, the original Super Star Destroyer that we're used to. So that could give it kind of a more, um, you know, unique and just kind of stark look. Um, I know if you're, like, flying around in space and there's just this giant black triangle coming at you with, like, no lights or markings or anything, that would actually be kind of intimidating. Because you're just like, what is that, you know, yeah, <laughs> big blank thing that's very large and imposing in size? Yeah, I'm just glad we're getting a Super Star Destroyer again, hopefully. <laughs> in this, and even though it would look a little different if it still has that similar feel that you know it is a Super Star Destroyer, but yet yeah, it has its own unique look. I mean, that could be really cool. The way it's described, it kind of reminds me maybe it'll be a little similar to the Jedi Starfighter in Episode 2, how that was kind of just like a triangle wedge-shaped, mm -hmm. but, you know, on a much more massive scale as being a Super Star Destroyer. So, yeah, it sounds cool from this description, so hopefully it looks as cool as it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually thinking now, like, a Jedi Starfighter the size of a Super Star Destroyer, that cockpit would probably be just big enough to fit Snoke if he was actually the size of his hologram. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what I'm hoping for. I really hope he's that big. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. It's not actually a Super Star Destroyer. It's just Snoke's Starfighter. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone just thinks and calls it a Super Star Destroyer. <laughs> um, and then uh, there's a lot of stuff dealing with Finn in this rumor. Um talking about his outfit and his role in the movie. And this is actually, I think sounds pretty cool. They're saying that um, at least for part of the movie that he is maybe going to go undercover with the first order um, as an officer. And, you know, on the one hand you might think like, well, wouldn't they recognize him? But I don't know, maybe the first order is big enough that, uh, you know, not everyone has gotten wind of, um, you know, his, uh, his betrayal yet. Um, or maybe all the data files on him and stuff were wiped out when Starkiller base blew up or something. Um, although they also have a drawing of him here and he's got like, I mean, I don't know if they just drew his nose weird like this, but maybe he's going to like partially be made up like an alien or something. I don't know. He's just got like a weird chicken looking nose, um, just in this drawing that they did, but this isn't like official concept art or anything. This is just something that they, you know, sketched based off of their, uh, you know, descriptions from their sources or whatever. Um, but I do really like the idea of him going back undercover, uh, within the first order, because I think we read, it was probably just an interview with like some of the actors or something recently, um, 
and they were talking about, you know, obviously what very little they could talk about for episode eight. But I remember somebody saying something like, we're going to take the characters and sort of, you know, build on what we did with them in The Force Awakens, but, you know, put them in, uh, you know, new challenges and, and sort of push them to their limits and like kind of each of them has to deal with like, well, what's sort of the biggest challenge they could face or something along those lines. Um, which I think kind of makes sense for Finn in like an almost unexpected way, but it's sort of like so obvious it's not obvious. Like he spends the whole first movie running from the First Order and trying to get away from them. And, you know, everybody else is like, oh, we got to fight them. And Finn's like, no, they're too powerful. We just got to run. And at the end, he finally... Uh, you know, has the courage to like stand up and fight against them. But, you know, he's part of the resistance now. He's away from, you know, this terrible first order that he was trying to get away from. And so it's like, okay, well, what challenge could we put Finn through in episode eight? Send him back. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how he deals with that. And, you know, obviously this time have him not be like a conflicted stormtrooper who's thinking about leaving, but have him be, you know, right back within the ranks of the First Order. But this time as someone who is completely loyal to the Resistance and is just bent on, you know, bringing down the First Order, but seeing how he sort of deals with being put back in that environment now, you know, from a completely different perspective. Yeah, I totally agree. It does make sense in like a cool, a cool way to have Finn progress as a character to kind of go back to what he was running away from at first. And I kind of like how it also described in the report for making Star Wars where it's like he gets recognized by a stormtrooper and it's like he got promoted or moved up the ranks within the First Order and kind of gets uh, congratulated on that. So it's kind of what you were saying where not maybe a lot of people or in the First Order, at least the standard stormtroopers are aware of FN 287's uh, betrayal to the first order but they they do recognize them kind of oh cool you <laughs> moved up in the ranks but so i don't know if that'll make it in the movie but it could be like one of the more uh, humorous moments i've seen finn undercover but all that stuff sounds cool the one thing that i kind of don't like about this report is how him and uh, kelly marie trans character they're on this new super star destroyer there to blow it up and to me, that just seems a little too repetitive of The Force Awakens, where they had to go to Starkiller, ba Starkiller Base to plant explosives and to blow it up. Kind of hoping there's maybe more reason to that than just, you know, needed to blow up another ship or base. But I do like the whole undercover aspect of it. But just kind of think if they are there just to blow it up, it might seem a little too repetitive to what we just saw in The Force Awakens. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and I mean, at this point, I'm just hoping and kind of assuming, too, that there'll be more to the story than that um that this you know the super star destroyer isn't gonna be like the end goal of the movie but that maybe it's you know part of their larger plan or something maybe they need to take out this ship because it's in orbit above a planet and the first or, or the resistance needs to you know invade the planet um or liberate it from the first order or something like that um or maybe it could be where like it is like Snoke is on that Super Star Destroyer, and this is like their shot to take him out and kind of sneak on there, blow up the ship, and take out Snoke. Kind of like a an assassination attempt type thing. Mm -hmm. um, in which case, I mean, especially if it's Snoke, that kind of changes it because then, like, I'm just going to assume that they're not going to succeed in that. Yeah. Um, but also, I was going to say, even, you know, if it's just them trying to take out the Super Star Destroyer, like, that could seem kind of repetitive, but 
you know, they they could definitely like throw some twists in there, like maybe things don't go as planned. And especially with this being um, the darker middle chapter of the saga. And of course, everyone's going to compare it to Empire Strikes Back. Um, and I'm sure they're going to like, on the one hand, try not to like repeat the Empire Strikes Back beat for beat. But at the same time, like they very well could like, I don't know, The Force Awakens was pretty similar to A New Hope. Um and, you know, I, I think, like, I think it'll be different enough, but at the same time, like, I, I don't know, I can imagine them wanting to do something sort of in that vein of, you know, okay, this is the chapter where it kind of gets taken up a notch and, you know, things get ramped up in intensity and maybe things don't go as well for the heroes this time. Not that they went perfectly for the heroes last time around, because obviously Han Solo died, Um so I don't know who can say where it's going to go, but, um, yeah, I'm just saying like, maybe even if that is their mission, like maybe they won't succeed in that, or maybe their mission will change or, um, you know, I don't know, just that one line of the rumor isn't really bothering me too much as far as like, oh, that's too much like the last one. Cause we really have no idea how, uh, yeah, how that's going to play into the larger story. Yeah. That's true. If hey. the, if the whole plot of the movie is, Oh, we gotta go. You know, we blew up Starkiller Base. Now we gotta go blow up their biggest Star Destroyer. I'll be disappointed. But I'm just gonna for now assume that there's a lot more to it that we don't know about yet. Yeah, and if it ends up leading up to the confrontation between Finn and Captain Phasma, and they have a duel or to some sorts or action sequence, then yeah, I don't care how they get there. <laughs> I just want to see that. So maybe it'll lead into that reunion. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, especially Finn going back undercover within the First Order, I'm sure, I mean, I don't know if he'll be looking for Phasma or trying to avoid Phasma, but there's definitely going to be a lot of potential for, you know, some tension and conflict there. And yeah, I'm sure those two characters have to meet back up again at some point. See, I'm already feeling better about this because it could make for a cool, like, cat and mouse type sequence where... Phasma knows there's there's something going on on this super star destroyer. She's trying to find out who it is and what's like. There's infiltration somewhere. She tries to look for the culprit, and and Finn's trying to make sure you know he doesn't do anything to be caught or noticed. But yet they come to a head where they finally <laughs> realize they have to face to face with each other again. So that could be actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she sees Finn, she'll be like, seal the hatch to the trash compactor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, should we look around and see Chewie's not there with him again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, that's going to be interesting, too. I wonder what... Like, are Chewie and R2 just going to stay with Ray and Luke on Octo the whole time? Or... Yeah. I mean, Luke's got to have his own ship there, so maybe Chewie's going to take the Falcon and go back to the Resistance. Yeah, I know. That's a good question, because... Yeah, it's hard to think they'd stay there and just see Luke train Ray and amongst all the Jedi teaching and stuff that he's probably going to be given her and they won't have very much to do unless they kind of be, you know, cheerleaders to support Ray, but kind of like to think there'd be more use for them in the movie than just that. So yeah, it should be interesting to see, you know, how long they stay there and like what their role will be if they do stay there too. Yeah. Well, it would be nice to see Luke and R2 get to interact again. Yeah, and yeah. they always oh, find even s- Chewy too. Yeah, well, I, I, but I, well, yeah, that's true. Um, but I was gonna say, like, and you know, they always find something useful for R two to do. So I could see R two sticking with Luke and Ray, um, especially because also, I mean, the Resistance kind of has their own R two D two now with BB eight. So 
Um, but yeah, I'm like, I don't know what Chewie would do there necessarily. Like another I, thing too, maybe Chewie kind of has a new life debt with Ray now. I mean, he, she didn't necessarily do anything to save his life for him to owe her, but maybe he feels like he owes it to Han to be with her. That's true. Thing, so I don't know. Or maybe Chewie could go back home to Kashyyyk and then show up again in episode nine with the Millennium Falcon full of an army of Wookiees. <laughs> For whatever reason, who cares? That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's just, just find a reason to fit it in there. Yeah. And a part of me thinks too, that uh, the Falcon is raised now. So it's like, and Chewie's wizard. So if it's her ship, it would stay on Octo until she leaves and, I know that's kind of makes you question, you know, is Chewie just there for the Falcon or is he there for Ray? Is he there? Or is he going to take the Falcon because it's not Ray's? But I like to think that it is. It kind of got that impression how the Force Awakens ended and kind of how they looked at each other were, you know, for lack of better words, they're the new Han and Chewie duo now where it's going to be Ray and Chewie now going on adventures. So I don't know. Yeah, it should be interesting to find out what exactly Chewie will be doing in The Last Jedi, which hopefully will be something that gets revealed in the panel at Celebration. Yeah, or at least, you know, give us a little hint of it or, you know, show a shot of him in the trailer or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That is something I hadn't really thought about before now, but... Yeah, I mean, either until you brought it up right now, but an, it is a good question. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes next. I was going to say, yeah, he definitely doesn't really owe Ray a life debt because after uh, Ben killed Han, Chewie basically tore that base apart all by himself. Yeah, <laughs> and he did rescue Ray and Finn right before Starkiller Place blew up. So Yeah, that too. Yeah, just maybe a different spin on it where you know it's not necessarily a life debt, but he's going to want to stick with her and protect her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um... Well, I don't know. That'll, that's just one more reason why I'm excited to see this movie now. Yep. <laughs> um, unless Chewie just ends up sitting there doing nothing and watching Ray train, in which case I'd be like, oh, poor Chewie. Give him something to do. <laughs> him and R2 can go back to playing the Jarek. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> By the time Ray finally, you know, becomes a Jedi, they'll be like 921 to 803 in terms of wins and losses. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think R2 is going to be uh, letting Chewie win all the time now. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely not. Um, all right. Well, yeah, obviously there's uh, you know a lot of cool stuff to speculate about in that rumor. Um, although I don't know how we got on the topic of Chewie and R2 playing Dejeric from the rumor about you know, <laughs> Finn and the Super Star Destroyer and all that kind of stuff. Because I mentioned Phasma and Chewie and all that. Yeah, <laughs> it just it snowballed. snowballed. As it usually does with us. Yeah, all the time. Um, and then we've got another, uh, just kind of a smaller rumor about a planet um, that's you know being described here that we haven't really heard much about yet because we know, obviously, that a lot of the movie is going to take place on Octo, um, or at least we assume so, um, and that there's also that planet that we saw um, like the set photos of from uh, Dubrovnik or wherever it is. Um, that looks like maybe more of a, you know, city type planet or something. Um, but then they're describing this new planet, uh, that's, they're basically calling it Mars with snow on it. Um, 
and it's basically, you know, like a red rocky planet, but covered with a light layer of snow. Um, but then they also said something later on that it might be, um, you know, it could possibly be salt, uh, instead of snow. They're saying they, there was some filming at the salt flats in Bolivia, um, that they're thinking could have been, you know, part of this planet or something. Um, but either way, I mean, that kind of sounds like a cool, you know, sort of different visual environment. Um, which again, I'm, you know, I don't mean to sound like a broken record here, but I do hope we see a lot of that in, um, you know, in episode eight. I mean, the thing that I love the most about the force awakens was just like the, the characters and the cool, you know, action moments and, um, just some of the, the dialogue and the banter and just some of the, um, both uplifting and comedic moments and also just some of the, the dramatic and, you know, darker character moments and things. But in terms of like the overall, you know, aesthetic and visual style and stuff, it felt like they just, you know, sort of played it very safe in terms of even the environments. It was like, oh, desert planet, jungle planet, snow planet, like we've seen all these before. So just the, all these ideas about, you know, new outfits and armors and ships and planets and things like that's what I want to see a lot of in you know these new movies going forward, as well as obviously, you know, more awesome stories and finding out who Ray's parents are and who Snoke is and all that kind of stuff. So in other words, I'm just excited for all of it, but <laughs> <laughs> new planets is just one part. Yeah. I mean, I like the way this planet was described. I mean, it kind of got me excited to see what it actually looks like when we do get to see it in the movie or a trailer or whatnot, <laughs> wherever our first look is. But I, like how it's described as Mars with snow. And to me, visually, that could be a cool look for Star Wars that we haven't seen before. It reminded me kind of what I thought it would, it would be a cross between uh, Geonosis and Hoth <laughs> type thing, where you get the red uh, rocky terrain, but then there's some snow like on the ground in certain areas of the planet. So it should be cool to kind of mention how it looks like it could be a new base for the First Order. Maybe it's the you know, relocation points after Starkiller base blew up, or maybe that's where Snoke was the whole time. Maybe this is his home planet or something, but I don't know. Regardless of what it is, I like the description of it. It should be pretty cool to see on screen once we uh, do get it in the movie. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, not a whole lot else to speculate on there, but, um, you know, as we said, more, you know, new environments and planets and stuff is always going to be cool to see. I mean, that's one of the things that I'm definitely, you know, looking forward to seeing um, when we finally get a trailer um, and just getting, you know, all these new visual elements coming together. That's going to be really cool. Um, now, moving on from episode eight, um, we've got, you know, a couple new developments on the Han Solo movie as well. Um, most notably that that movie is now in production um, and filming and uh, Chris Miller, who's, you know, obviously one of the directors um, posted a picture on Twitter recently. Um, and in a, a clever little pun, uh, it was just a picture of, um, you know, the, like the clapper slate that they use for movies. Um, and there's actually two puns in here. One is that, you know how movies sometimes have like working titles or, you know, like fake titles that they use for production to, um, yeah, either when the movie doesn't have a title yet or when they're trying to kind of throw people off the scent of like what they're actually working on. Um, so it's called Star Wars Red Cup because it's solo, get it? Um, <laughs> and then he posted the picture with the caption on Twitter, Han first shot. So um, yeah, obviously no Greedo around, but 
this is the first shot of the Han Solo movie, and, you know, cool to know that, um, just that there's yet another Star Wars movie in production right now. I know, this one actually kind of snuck up on me, where when I saw this, I'm like, oh man, they're already filming this thing. I mean, I knew it was going to be in this year, but I just didn't realize or forgot that it was this early. So, but like I said, yeah, it's cool that another Star Wars movie is in production as one is in post-production. So, I mean, we've had this before with the last uh, few movies and it's just going to continue on, which is awesome. And yeah, I did like the code name as Red Cup. (laughs) Come on. It's it's, it's almost a thing where like, yeah, we have to use this code name for the Han Solo movie. (laughs) It's just too perfect. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering too, maybe we'll get the official title for it at Celebration in Orlando. That could be a good opportunity to finally give it a real name so we can know what to call it. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, Actually, yeah, I guess that would be kind of nice. Because on the one hand, I was thinking like, well, you know, I don't know if they'd announce that like just so soon after they announced the title for episode eight. But at least with the saga films, we can we know we can call them like episode seven, episode eight, episode nine. And we just don't know like the rest of the title that comes after that. Um, but yeah, with this Han Solo movie, it's like, we're still just calling it the Han Solo movie. Now, who knows, maybe they're still like working on a title or haven't come up with one yet. Um, like I know for episode eight, Ryan Johnson said, like he had the last Jedi in mind as the title, like from his very first draft of the script. But I think with the force awakens, I don't think they came up with the title for that till after they finished filming. Um, so maybe they just don't know what they're going to call this one yet. But if they do have a title for it, I think Celebration would get, be a good place to announce it. Because you know they're going to have a panel that's either going to focus just on this movie or just on the spin-off films in general. Um, but this would obviously be you know a prominent part of the discussion at that panel being the next one you know in line to come out. So um, yeah, that would be cool. And you know, obviously, I think a title for this one wouldn't be as sort of as big of a deal i guess as you know getting a title like the last jedi announced yeah Um, nothing's as big as those saga film title reveals (laughs) yeah exactly especially when you know we don't really know much about the story and the the title is sort of like for those movies is sometimes kind of our first hint as to what the movie might be about um whereas like with rogue one and with the han solo movie we kind of knew more about those ahead of time as far as just like the basic premise of it or at least like the main characters or whatever um so it's like you know getting the the title of this movie isn't really going to give away any big information or whatever it's just going to be nice to not have to keep referring to it as the yet untitled han solo spinoff film exactly yeah (laughs) i wanted to because i'm kind of thinking there's going to be some new title revolving around what the plot's going to be and yet like Han Solo is going to be the subtitle for it. We're kind of like a Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Maybe this will be a Han Solo story, something like to that effect where Han Solo won't be part of the main title. I have a feeling so? that's where they're going to go. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I still think it's going to have the, a Star Wars story attached to it. A Han Solo Star Wars story. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I see what you're saying. I don't necessarily... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know one way or the other if they're going to have Han Solo like in the main title. Um, you know, it, it could be called like Han's great or like Han's first ride or something like that. I don't know if it's about his becoming a smuggler or him getting the Millennium Falcon for the first time. But um, 
<laughs> just call it Han Solo Begins. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I still think it would be cool to call it Scruffy Nerf Herders. But, um, <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> but no, I, I think whatever they're going to title it, it's most likely going to be you know, scruffy nerf herders or whatever, a star Wars story. Cause I don't know. I just get the feeling like that's going to be sort of the delineation of the, um, the spinoff films from now on, you know, as opposed to star Wars episode, blah, blah, blah. Then the title, it's going to be title followed by a star Wars story. Yeah. I don't know. Cause part of me thinks they want to have Han Solo in the title somewhere. And if it's not going to be in the main title for it, it should be in the subtitle, but at the same time, like you said, they already got the Star Wars story. Like, I don't know if that's going to be the official branding for all these movies now, but I would kind of like it if they mixed that up a bit, you know, have one be different. Like, this would be the Han Solo story. But at the same time, again, you want the name Star Wars in your Star Wars movie, too. So, yeah, definitely. And, but I, I'm sure they'll work it out where I guess where Han Solo would be part of the main title and they'll still have a Star Wars story because I'm sure they want both of them on, like, on their front and center. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I don't know. The more I think about it, I'm like, I don't know that you necessarily have to have Han Solo in the title. Um, you don't have to, but I think, again, just speaking for like the general audience perspective where they would kind of want them to know that this is about Han Solo. Right. New but actor I, in there. So I think he's a recognizable enough character that even if you have a new actor playing him, um, I mean, it's not like it's going to be a secret that Han is in this movie, because even if you don't have his name in the title, he'll be on the poster, he'll be in the trailer, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So and, you know, in the trailers and stuff like I'm sure someone will say his name or it might start with, uh, you know, him saying I'm Han Solo or, you know, whatever. Um, so I think they're going to make it plenty well known that this is a movie about Han Solo. But I think the thing too is, you know, like since we haven't really known any like story details about this movie at all, aside from the fact that Han is the main character, like everybody thinks it's just the Han Solo movie. But I mean, obviously we've got some other actors being cast in other, you know, lead roles and we know that Lando's going to be in it and presumably Chewie's going to be in it. So, um, even with you know Han as the main character, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a character piece that's centered just on Han Solo. Like you know, it could be a whole crew of like rogues and scoundrels, and Han just happens to be the main character or something like that. Yeah. Um, in which case, you know, another title might be more fitting. Um, you know, if like a hundred percent of the focus isn't on Han, which is perfectly fine. Like I kind of hope we get to you know see a lot of screen time and and you know, character development and stuff for like Lando and Chewie and everybody else too. Um, you know, just with Han kind of at the center of it all, but it doesn't necessarily have to just be his movie. Yeah. I get what you're saying. And like you said, it wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing if they do go that way and just have a title revolve around that. But I don't know. I still think they're going to want that name Han Solo in there, but <laughs> we shall see. Hmm. Yeah, now you got me like wanting to speculate on that, but um, <laughs> you know we'll just have to see. Like I said, I don't think the, the watch it just ends up being called a Han Solo movie, <laughs> right? Or you know, Solo, a Star Wars movie or a Star Wars story. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, cause I'm kind of thinking ahead too, to like, you know, if they do like a Boba Fett movie or something like that, like you don't necessarily have to have every character's name in the title of, you know, the, the spinoff film that's going to feature them because you also don't necessarily want, you don't want to kind of just, um, simplify it into like, okay, the saga films and then like the character standalone stories, you know, like, um, I mean, obviously we had Rogue One and that wasn't like a Jin Erso story. Like she was the main character, but there were a lot of new interesting characters in that movie. So I would almost, you know, it, it would be cool to see other movies kind of in that similar vein with like ensemble casts or whatever, just with Han or Boba Fett or somebody like that as like a highlighted character who gets a big role in that movie. Um, and then, you know, it's like that one really cool movie about smugglers and bounty hunters and stuff where Han played a really big role, but it wasn't like, it was more than just the Han Solo movie. I think that would be cool. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Cause that's star Wars. I mean, even though you could argue that Luke or Anakin slash Vader, uh, you know, is the main character, but you know, there's so many different characters in different branching parts of the story and everybody's got their own, favorite characters and their own aspects of the universe. Like it's never been just about one character. Yeah, definitely. But at the same time too, I mean, they've been building this up as the Han Solo movie from everyone who's involved with it from Kathleen Kennedy to Bob Iger, to, I don't know, Chris yeah. Miller and Phil Lord. So, I mean, I know what you're getting at where it could be more of an ensemble thing where Han isn't at the center of it, but it just sounds like this is really going to be his origin story. Yeah. Well, and I guess I shouldn't say ensemble. Like, I don't think this is going to be like an ensemble piece with Han as just one part of it. Like, yes, clearly he is the main character in this movie, but I'm just saying like, I think there'll be enough attention divided elsewhere that it doesn't necessarily have to be just like 100% Han Solo movie. Like that's all you need in the title. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Again, as we've said before, like titles don't determine whether or not we're going to go see a Star Wars movie and whether or not it's going to be good and whether or not we're excited for it and whatnot. So. But you just can't help but think of what it will be until you finally find out. Mm-hmm. Well, we shall see. Hopefully in April. That would be nice. Um, and then, you know, we got a couple other uh, rumored castings for that movie. Um, uh, Thandie Newton, who is, uh, you know, currently, um, starring in Westworld, um, is supposedly in talks, uh, to join the, uh, the Han Solo movie. Um, and then also, um, another actress named Phoebe Waller-Bridge, um, is in talks to play reportedly a CGI character. Um, so, you know that's pretty much all we've got on that front to, you know, actresses who are, uh, you know, supposedly up for roles in this movie. I think it would, I mean, who knows, maybe the CGI character could be a droid. Um, well, droid or alien, that's pretty much all we've got to go off of. Um, just given the history of CGI characters in star Wars. But the reason I think a droid would be cool is I'm like, I don't think we've really gotten any, Definitely not in the movies, but even as far as I can remember in, like, Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff, we've never really had any, like, prominent sort of female droids. I mean, not that droids really have genders, but, you know, at least you can tell by their voices and, you know, body shapes and whatever. Um, 
I mean, we've certainly seen female droids like that one in episode two. That's like, you want a cup of Jawa juice? (laughs) But um, yeah, we've never had one that's like a main sidekick or, you know, like a female C-3PO or something like that. So um, I don't know. It could be something like that, but it could very well be an alien or a 25 foot evil empress or something like that. So you never know. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping it's a CG alien creature, mainly because just coming off the Han Solo comic, which was really, really good. Um, part of the story where Han Solo had a lot of different alien creatures was him and Chewie on the Falcon. And it just, you know, made for some fun interaction that just visually it looked cool seeing all these different creatures on the Falcon with Han and Chewie. So if you get a little bit of that in this movie, too, I think that could be kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, again, I'm never opposed to you know, new designs of aliens and, you know, droids and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all we got there. But, um, you know, again, just with that movie in general, um, you know, the more stuff I hear from it, hear for it and about it and everything, I'm like, man, that seems like it's just going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, I saw this before too. For those who aren't too excited about it, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised, hopefully by the, first trailer that comes out for it but definitely by when the movie is out and hopefully when it delivers on what we're expecting it to yeah and you know if you're not excited like you don't necessarily have to listen to us don't let us like hype it up and get your hopes up and everything because sometimes it's better to just go into it with low expectations and then be like you know what i didn't expect much from it but that was kind of fun um in fact that's kind of that's almost like how i already feel about it just because like I don't know, maybe I wasn't crazy about it when they first announced it. Um, And now I'm like, oh, I maybe, like, didn't know what to expect for this movie, but it already seems like it's shaping up to be pretty good. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But I'm definitely excited for that one. I think it's just going to be, you know, just a fun adventure ride. Yeah, I know we started the argument that we don't necessarily need this movie. It's not a story that needs to be told. And that that probably is true, but... I think once we see it, there's going to be scenes and moments in there that we're going to look back and think, yeah, we're so glad we got to see that. And I think we needed to see that. Like, mm-hmm. come on, the first meeting of Han and Chewie, how great is that going to be? Yeah, in absolutely. Context with everything else that we've seen in the saga already. Yeah. And I mean, again, you know, and we've made this point before, but you could say the same for Rogue One or any of these other, you know, uh, standalone movies, especially any that take place like in between movies that we've already seen. Um, it's like the movies themselves, at least in my opinion, like didn't leave any big glaring plot holes that need to be filled in. Um, and so it's like, did we really need to know the story of how the rebels stole the Death Star plans? Well, I didn't necessarily think so ahead of time, but after seeing Rogue One, I'm certainly glad they decided to tell that story. Um, and of course you've got the whole thing with Galen Erso, like putting the, the fault in the Death Star with the exhaust port and everything and so now for all the people that for years have been like well how come they put a freaking you know exhaust port in there that could blow it up it's like well now you have your answer and it just makes it that much more better too when you see a new hope (laughs) it always made perfect sense to me because i was like a giant battle station you would think it's got to have an exhaust port somewhere but (laughs) now it's like if it didn't make sense before it does now Yep, so who knows, like, stuff like that we can get when the Han Solo movie comes out. That'll just add to, like I said, the movies we're already familiar with, with Han and Chewie. Yeah, who knows, maybe we'll get a sympathetic backstory for Jabba the Hutt that makes us actually understand why he's, like, 
such a detestable slug in the new movies. Or actually, no, you know what? Well, I say new movies in the original trilogy. But then I'm like, eh, he was still like that in Phantom Menace, so whatever. I was going to say, eh, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Java definitely does not need to be sympathetic, that's for sure. <laughs> no. Um, but speaking of Rogue One, um, I guess we hadn't talked about this yet because this came out right around the time that we posted our last episode. Um, but it was announced, you know, on StarWars.com that there are two new uh, Rogue One, I guess you could call them novels, but I think they're more like young reader books um, that are going to be coming out. Um, one is called Rebel Rising, that's all about Jin, and then one is called Guardians of the Wills, um, about Baze and Chirrut. And, I mean, I knew it wouldn't be too long after Rogue One came out that we'd start getting more stories about these characters, and, you know, especially I love to see anything you know more new stories related to uh Baze and Chirrut and everything so um I don't know how much of like their backstory and how much history on the Guardians of the Wills and all that stuff we're gonna get in just this one book especially because they describe it as um they say it's a middle grade novel which I'm like I don't know does that mean it's like middle school level or uh you know, middle, like, kids reading level. I don't know what that entails necessarily, but I still kind of want to read it just for the story and see what's going on with these guys because I think they're really cool. Yeah, like you said, <laughs> you knew we were going to get this at some point. I'm glad it's kind of sooner rather than later. And the subject matter on both, or I think if you were to ask most fans uh, what characters they wanted to learn more about and get more backstories on, it would be Chirrut and Baze and Jin. so those are the three characters we're getting in these new mm -hmm. books and with uh both of them it looks like saw Gerrera is going to play an important part because we're going to get more insights of Jin's time with saw and his band of rebels which should be really cool to see and then with guardians of the wills it's gonna now this is the one thing that maybe um, i don't i won't say disappointed with but i wish it took place a little earlier because guardians of the wills takes place right when the empire comes to jetta and chirrut and bays are you know gonna have to figure out what to do about it and they meet up with saw Gerrera. but part of me kind of wanted to see them before the empire invaded and just what their roles were as mm -hmm. guardians of the temples before the empire even got involved i think that could be cool and i'm sure we'll get stories like that eventually but that was something i wanted to learn about right away that's kind of their history before the empire got involved in that but Guardians of the Wills is being written by Greg Rucker, who's a great comic writer who's doing an awesome stuff right now with the Wonder Woman comic. But he's done some good Star Wars stuff before leading up into uh, The Force Awakens. Like uh, the before The Awakening, he did that. And then he did uh, the Shattered Empire comic, which was really, really cool. So anything that Greg Rucker is doing at Star Wars, I mean, that's just awesome. <laughs> Regardless if it's uh, like a young novel or middle grade novel, I'll be going to check it out if he's involved. So, yeah, I'm excited for both of these. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, definitely. I like the Saw Gerrera connection too. Um, and also, I mean, the fact that the the Jin novel is about like her time when she's um, with Saw's group, like as one of his soldiers. Um, so I think that should be something cool to see. You know, obviously we heard that referenced a lot in the movie, but, um, you know, it'll be cool to get some actual stories set during that time period. And then, yeah, like you said, sort of his uh, tie in with Baze and Chirrut should be pretty cool too. Um, and again, I, you know, I love seeing him as just one of those little sort of connective things that is just popping up in all these different stories. And even though, I mean, I don't know 
if we'll ever get a story like where Saw is the main character, like of his own novel or spinoff film or whatever. But like, I don't need that. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm perfectly happy with him having his role as just the supporting character that pops up in all these different stories all throughout the timeline and just sort of makes the books and the movies and the animated shows and everything all feel connected. Yeah, I totally agree. It's great when he shows up, but at the same time, he's not the main character, the main focus, but he works in the role that he's in for all the stuff we've seen him in so far. So yeah, yeah, he keeps being used that way. It's fine by me. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then also, uh, while we're talking about Rogue One, um, that movie recently got nominated for two Oscar awards um, for best visual effects and best sound mixing. Um, so, you know, always cool when Star Wars movies get recognition but like that. Honestly, by this point, I'm like, if it wins, cool. If not, I don't even care because... I love that movie, you know, no matter what, like it doesn't need Oscars to be an awesome Star Wars movie in my book. So, um, and even, you know, with like the best visual effects, it's up against, uh, Deepwater Horizon, Doctor Strange, the Jungle Book, Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, so I mean, I don't know if it's going to win. Like I kind of get the feeling that it might not just because of some of the controversy surrounding the whole, you know, Tarkin recreation thing. Um, because on the one hand, like, yeah, it's a really good effect, and obviously the technology's great, and it was, like, amazing what they were able to do, but then at the same time, like, it's not perfect, and even though a lot of people that I've talked to have said, like, they couldn't even tell a difference, or they thought it was real, or whatever, um, I have read a lot of, like, reviews and stuff from, like, professional movie critics where that was one of their few nitpicks with the movie, um, and I know I talked about that, too. Like, the first time I saw it, it did kind of... Um, it was, it was kind of a distraction for me. And each time I've seen it since then, it's bothered me less and less, but I still kind of get the feeling that that might hurt their Oscar chances. Um, given just that obviously everybody in the industry who's like voting on these is going to be looking for like the best of the best of the best. So, um, but I don't know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, sadly, I agree with you on that. It's probably not going to win probably for the reasons you just said, but I think it should win because of that, just because of the, you know, new ground they're breaking with that technology and what they use for Tarkin. So I think it should be recognized for what I think is going to be setting, I don't want to say a new trend where everyone's going to be doing it, but it's going to be there now for people to use that technology if they wanted to use an actor who's no longer with us. So, but it's all would have been started from Rogue One and it should be recognized for that. But if I had to pick, I think it's going to lose to Jungle Book because Jungle Book was pretty amazing what they did with that, where it's pretty much a whole CG animated movie, but yet it looks so realistic. So I have a feeling that's going to win. And then for best sound mixing, um, I have a feeling it's going to go like La La Land's got so many nominations, it's probably going to win a lot. I have a feeling just because it'd be one of those movies that takes the most categories that it's nominated for, that's nominated in this one. So I have a feeling it'll probably lose to that even though the sound is awesome in Rogue One. Mm. But like you said, it's not going to change my opinion on the movie one way or the other. That's for darn sure. But I would like for once in my lifetime to see an Oscar award show where they announce the name Star Wars. Because I know it, it won it for A New Hope, but I wasn't born yet. So <laughs> I could have <laughs> yeah, seen that. Either. So just once, I'd like to see them open that envelope and say the word Star Wars. Yeah, that's true. Like... 
Because the Force Awakens didn't win any, right? No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm like, now that I think about it, it seems hard to believe that, like, none of the other ones have won even for, like, visual effects or soundtrack or anything like that. Um, yeah. Although, wait, did did John Williams win for Empire Strikes Back, though? I want to say no, but I'm not 100% sure. I don't think he did. Yeah, I uh, now that I think about it, I don't think so either. I'm gonna look it up just out of curiosity. He definitely won for a new hope, though. That's yeah. Sure. Oh yeah, I know. Um, no, it'd be a sh- like a crime if he didn't win for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. No, he was nominated for Empire Strikes Back, but not he. He didn't win. Yeah, actually, because I remember reading something like he's won you know five Oscar awards, and on the one hand, it almost seems like wow, like all the movies he's done, he's only won five. You know, only won five of them. And actually, looking at the list here, I mean, he's been nominated for easily like twenty or thirty or so. I mean, it's a. I think he has that record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not even counting all these, but yeah, it's a ton. I probably way underestimated. Actually, I think I remember hearing that he's been nominated like 50 times or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, you think like, oh, to win, you know, only five of those, like that's not a, you know, the best percentage, but just the fact that he has written so many scores that have all been nominated, it's like just to be recognized that many times and to get five Oscar awards is, uh, nothing to sneeze at either. Like, that's more than a whole lot of other people have. Oh, that's for sure. And he actually just won a Grammy for The Force Awakens. Yes, that is true. Um, Yeah, so that's always cool, too. We'll take whatever awards we can get. Exactly. (laughs) Now, hopefully, I mean, if he won this year for best, uh, I think it's, you know, best soundtrack for visual media or something like that um, for The Force Awakens, I'll be pulling for Rogue One to get that Grammy next year because I don't think that score gets enough credit for how awesome that is. Agreed, yeah. And I was guilty of that right when I saw the movie for the first time, but listening to the soundtrack more, yeah, it's it's really great. You couldn't ask for Michael Giacchino to do more than he did in following the footsteps of John Williams. Yeah, and especially given like the amount of time that he had to that too, complete yeah. that too. Um, you know, coming off the heels of Dr. Strange and the fact that he's, you know, one of those composers that just cranks out so many scores in a year. Like, honestly, you know, I was hoping for something just sort of par for the course. Like as long as it, you know, sounded pretty good and like fit with Star Wars, I wasn't expecting it to be as excellent as it was. And I'm not saying it's my favorite Star Wars score or anything like that, but I also, I don't know how I would rank them all, but I don't think it's my least favorite either. Um... Yeah. it's hard enough ranking the movies now to rank the soundtrack yeah <laughs> yeah and again you know just like we were saying like you know can you rank rogue one with the rest of the movies or do the spinoffs need their own list you could kind of say the same with the soundtracks too like do you rank the john williams star wars soundtracks and then all the other star wars soundtracks but um i don't know rogue one is definitely uh yeah it's a great movie great soundtrack and deserves its place uh you know among um you know the other star wars movies and star wars scores even if you kind of want to rank it a little bit off to the side it still is uh you know a worthy part of the the franchise overall i will say uh the 
your father would be proud would probably be in my top 10 all-time favorite star wars track agreed that is so good yeah for sure like man that is it is just fantastic um and i've said this before too like i love the imperial theme that he did for that movie just because it feels like i hope they use that movie again later that movie i hope they use that track again later um and it's kind of like if you listen to it on the soundtrack like towards the end it's got you know the Jin Erso and hope suite and then there's the imperial suite and if you listen to like the imperial suite there's kind of two different sections of it and there's one that is definitely kind of used in the movie like as krennic's theme but then like it also plays like right at the very beginning of the movie as you see Krennic's shuttle going towards uh you know the planet where uh um Galen and Jin and everybody are um but then there's also the part that's sort of the the grander um you know Imperial March-esque piece that like I think it plays in the movie for the first time like in the scene where you see the Star Destroyer with the Death Star in the background and then you see the whole Death Star and then you see Tarkin for the first time and everything um that piece is like it's like the Imperial March for the rest of the empire now. Like it fits the empire perfectly without making you immediately think of Darth Vader. So I would love to see that used again, like in the Han Solo movie or somewhere else later down the line in a story that's dealing with people fighting the empire where Vader's not necessarily present. I think that worked really well. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. An imperial theme for the whole empire, not just Vader. <laughs> yeah. We all know what his, what his theme is. Yeah, because it's called the Imperial March, but, like, let's be honest, it's Darth Vader's theme. Yeah. Like, <laughs> who thinks of just, like, storm stormtroopers or TIE fighters when you hear that music? No, you picture Darth Vader walking in the room. Um, so, yeah, I think it's cool now that we have a, a piece that – and, you know, obviously they're sort of – I don't know, cousins in a way, like it sounds similar enough that they both make you think of sort of the same characters and, and the same themes and everything. But, um, yeah, it's just that piece is like, okay, we, now we can have this one to focus on just, you know, the stormtroopers and everything. And it doesn't have that, uh, you know, the shadow of Vader looming over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. Kind of agree where hopefully it was will be used again in future movies for that regard of the Empire, even on Rebels too. Just have a oh, that would be cool sprinkled too. in there in certain scenes with the Empire. Yeah, that would be awesome. Heck, have we talked about maybe the possibility of of Krennic popping up on Rebels too at some point? Yeah, not really. I don't think we have, but yeah, he could show up. Yeah, depending how far it goes and how close they get with uh, realizing the Death Star is being built i mean he could easily pop up yeah i mean i kind of doubt he will just because you know again like you said they're probably not gonna like get close enough to the death star planes and that's probably like really all krennic is focused on at this point but who knows he could pop up at some point at least a name drop (laughs) yeah yeah or i was gonna say maybe you know we could see a scene where like thrawn or tarkin or somebody is like talking to him via hologram and it could just be kind of like a quick little easter egg where you know you see tarkin talking to him about you know it's like you just catch the tail end of a conversation about um you know the progress being made on the battle station and then uh you know tarkin hangs up on him as thrawn walks in the room so they can talk about you know dealing with the rebels on lothal or whatever yeah (laughs) yeah that would be pretty cool yeah, that'd be a neat little tie-in. Um, but yeah, anyway, actually, I was like, 
how did we get off on this subject? And I was like, I don't know, but we can use that to transition right into uh, talking about Star Wars Rebels. Um, <laughs> it all works out perfectly for these segues. <laughs> exactly. Um, we just wing it and act like we know what we're doing. Um, and then but we, we reveal that we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spoil the illusion. Unless that was all part of the plan to begin with. Ooh, mystery. Everything is going as planned. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, Rebels actually is finally almost back from its month-long break. Um, I think after that last episode, Trials of the Darksaber, I've woken up like every Saturday and been like, has it been a month yet? Oh, no, it's only been a week. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll wait longer. Um, but yeah, that's finally coming back this weekend um, with the episode Legacy of Mandalore. Um, and then I think the next episode after that is called Through Imperial Eyes. Um, and then suddenly after that, we're down to the last five episodes of season three. Um, and the titles for those are Secret Cargo, which airs on March 4th, uh, Double Agent Droid, which airs on March 11th. And then the last three, this is where it gets real interesting. Uh, Twin Sons is the third to last episode, and that's March 18th. And I'll read the descriptions for these ones. But this is one that we, I think, were all predicting was going to be the season finale. Um, but for Twin Sons, it says, Reacting to a vision of Maul, Ezra defies Hera and Kanan to travel to a remote planet in hopes of stopping the former Sith Lord from carrying out his plans. Um, and then episode 21 is called Zero Hour Part 1, and the next one is called Zero Hour Part 2. Um, those air back to back on March 25th. Um, and for the first part, it says in final preparations for their attack on Lothal Phoenix squadrons, plans are disrupted when grand Admiral Thrawn discovers their location. Um, and then part two, it says trapped on Adalon with the rebel base under siege, Hera and Kanan fight to keep the squadron alive as Ezra attempts to rally help from an unexpected source. Um, so it sounds like there's going to be some really cool stuff going on towards the end of the season here. Um, First of all, with this Twin Sons episode where it's talking about, you know, Ezra going off to, you know, try to stop Maul from carrying out his plans. I, as much as I like Ezra and the characters on Rebels, I really hope that as much of that Maul and Kenobi showdown, like as much of that as possible, I want to just be Maul and Obi-Wan. Like, yeah, I don't want them to turn that into like an episode starring Ezra where he comes in and saves the day and he's actually the one to take out Maul as much as it would kind of be, you know, resolution for his character arc because, you know, he's the one that Maul has been trying to tempt to the dark side and he's been sort of Ezra's own like personal struggle since uh, the season two finale when he first showed up. But it's just like. You know, when you think about what Maul and Ezra have been through, but then when you think about the whole history of Maul and Obi-Wan, it's like, this ain't your fight, kid. <laughs> exactly, yep. No, I totally agree. And from the looks of that in the trailer, it doesn't seem like Ezra's going to be involved in that. But again, it's a few quick shots, so maybe they're not just showing him. But, you know, Obi-Wan's just by himself on that campfire, and then we just see him in that classic Obi-Wan pose ready to fight Darth Maul. So mm -hmm. just from the trailer, I just got the feeling that it's them too. Maybe Ezra arrives too late at the end or he gets sidetracked by something else on Tatooine. Maybe it's stuck in Mos Eisley or something dealing with smugglers <laughs> or pirates. But yeah, I agree. This should just be Obi-Wan and Maul's final showdown because like you said, 
what Ezra and Maul have been through has been through together is nothing compared to what Obi Wan and Maul have been through in the history they have. So it has to just be with Obi Wan and Maul. And I I have confidence that Dave Filoni and his crew know that and they'll they'll resolve it in a way that, you know, just seems fitting for both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know, as much as part of me would like to see Ezra just like show up at the end after the fight's over, like I don't think they're going to do that. They're going to have uh, give him some significant role in the story, but I hope he doesn't just like show up in the middle of the fight and save Obi Wan at the last minute. Oh man, um, that'd be lame. I think it would be cool if he actually maybe somehow managed to get there before Maul and like warn Obi-Wan that he's coming and Obi-Wan's like, oh, I know, I've sensed a disturbance in the force. And then who knows, maybe Obi-Wan tasks Ezra with like protecting Luke Um, Mm. and is like, you know, I'll handle this. If all else fails, like you make sure he doesn't find this kid because, you know, he's the secret to destroying the Sith that... um, you know, you guys have been after. Um, but that's a good point too, because, you know, Ezra's vision is that the key to destroying the Sith is on that planet, yeah. which we know is Luke. So Obi-Wan could kind of tell them what his vision entails and what it actually is. So yeah. And I mean, Luke and Ezra are pretty much like the exact same age Yeah, because we know Ezra was born on the day that the empire came into existence and I mean, I don't know exactly how long after that it was that Padme gave birth, but I mean, we can assume it was. I mean, depending. I on... think it, I think Pablo Dago officially said it was like a day after. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, I was gonna say it could have been anywhere from hours to like maybe a week or two. Yeah. But I think Ezra's like a day older. Okay. Um. Yeah, and that makes sense. But um, you know, obviously with. Ezra being like having Jedi training, but also, you know, being kind of an, you know, an orphan kid, kind of just like Luke, like it would be kind of cool to see a scene of the two of them, maybe just like hanging out together and maybe Obi-Wan like specifically tells Ezra, like he's not ready yet. Don't tell him about the force and all this kind of stuff. You know, Ezra could even like have his lightsaber hanging on his belt and Luke just doesn't think anything of it. Um, and, you know, like, I, I think it could sort of fit in that way so that in A New Hope, when Luke is asking Obi-Wan, like, oh, what's the force? And, you know, all this stuff about the Jedi and the Clone Wars and everything that he was never really aware of. It's like, well, he wouldn't necessarily learn that from Ezra or know that just from, you know, looking at him because it's not like Ezra necessarily, you know, looks like a Jedi or, um, you know, is always, you know, sort of engrossed in that world like he's uh you know a jedi apprentice in a world with no jedi so um you know to luke he would be like just another kid who's the same age he is yeah and i don't know like i was surprised to find out that this was the third to last episode where we all assumed it was going to be in the season finale but part of me thinks it is sort of going to be like a trilogy of episodes that make up one story and twin sons is the first part of that but it'll be still connected to zero hour part one and two Though, there's one thing that has me worried in the description for Zero Hour Part 2, where it says, Ezra attempts to rally help from an unexpected source, and I can't help but think that it's Obi-Wan, since he is on Tatooine, and he, he'll probably beat him there, and probably tries to get him to help. I just hope, you know, stress the word attempt in that description, <laughs> where he attempts it, but he doesn't actually succeed, because I know I've said this before, too, where I don't think Obi-Wan should ever leave Tatooine even for a brief, 
moment or two or to help out in a battle. I think his mission to protect Luke comes first and foremost, and that's what he's there for. So hopefully it plays out kind of what I just said, where Ezra attempts to get his help, but for the reasons that we all know, Obi-Wan has to stay on Tatooine, and Ezra, maybe Obi-Wan gives Ezra a pep talk to know that he can do this on his own, and he trusts in Kanan and the Rebel fleet to either, you know, succeed in their battle or who knows maybe they'll this will be a battle they'll lose because at the same time too i mean this sounds like it's going to be an attack on lothal is going to be a pretty big battle for phoenix squadron and this part of the rebel cell and you kind of have to think that they shouldn't really win because the battle of scarif ends up being the first decisive victory for the rebels yeah so i don't know it's kind of curious to see how they're going to pull this off is it going to be a small scale battle where you know it doesn't have much significance but it kind of seems like it is according to the descriptions and we have to assume thrawn is going to be involved with it since he's the main villain throughout this season and so if he's involved you think it'd be a pretty big deal especially if they defeat him so kind of curious as how they're going to play this and how this whole battle on you know or this attack on lothal and then with the rebels being trapped on adalon so Kind of curious to see who comes out on top of this because it kind of makes sense where the rebels shouldn't really come out on top or at least have mm-hmm. a major victory. Well, see, here's the thing though: I don't even know if we'll actually see an attack on Lothal in these two episodes because, I mean, just from this description, it makes it sound like like they're planning to attack Lothal and then that plan gets derailed because before they can go to Lothal, Thrawn comes to their planet and like you know, is holding them under siege. And so it sounds like the battle is going to be on Adalon or, you know, chopper base or whatever you want to call it. Um, So it's like, it seems like they got to fight their way out of there first before they can even get to Lothal. Um, So maybe that won't even happen. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe if they make it out of this for like the season finale, then maybe um, the attack on Lothal, like start off season four or something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, who knows? I mean, and yeah, I see what you're saying about, um, you know, their first major victory or whatever, but I think, I don't remember if it was like in an interview with Pablo or one of the books or something, but they were talking about that and saying that like the rebels have won victories before, but they've either been, you know, just minor victories or it's been things that either the empire has swept under the rug because they didn't want to make themselves look bad or the rebels have had to like, resort to uh you know unsavory means to you know be able to defeat the empire and so they've kind of swept it under the rug and kept it a secret or just you know it was like they you know may have assassinated like a key imperial uh or something like that or just you know took out one key you know post or whatever but then like didn't necessarily make it known that like oh that was a rebel victory because it was still when they were trying to kind of operate from the shadows and like keep themselves hidden and not draw attention to the fact that there was this larger rebel alliance forming Mm -hmm. um but because lothal is just sort of this outer rim world like i don't know it could maybe be something where um you know if the empire lost control of lothal they might just pass it off as you know local resistance or say that they decided to move somewhere else or whatever. Um, you know, I could definitely see that being like still not as big a victory as stealing the plans to the Death Star and wiping out an Imperial military research installation <laughs> or causing enough damage that the Empire had to wipe out their own installation to cover it up. So, 
Yeah, that's true. But you brought up a good point as far as we'll see if they even get to Lothal because, yeah, in the description, it's like Thrawn's going to, at least for the first part of the episode, kind of thwart their pants a bit. But I don't know. I don't know if you've been keeping up with this or on social media and stuff, but uh, I kind of wasn't aware of it, but now it's being brought to my attention. I've seen more people talk about about how season four hasn't actually been officially renewed yet, and it's long since passed when they announced hmm. season two and three, which kind of speculates, you know, is this going to be it for Rebels, or are they just saving it for celebration? You know how we're speculating there's going to be a new series coming pretty soon. Maybe they'll announce there that season four will be the last season of Rebels, and then we'll get some details on this new show, but I know there is kind of some worry about maybe this being it for Star Wars Rebels, but I don't think so. I think we're going to get at least one more because part of me thinks, you know, they don't want to repeat what happened to Clone Wars where it just ends abruptly. They would kind of want to announce that this will be it and have it wrapped up pretty nicely and lead up to Rogue One. So I kind of have a feeling, even though we haven't gotten the announcement for season four yet, it's coming at celebration and if it is going to be the last one, we'll probably find out there. But I don't know. It is kind of interesting, though, that we haven't gotten an official uh, renewal announcement for season four just yet. Yeah, well, you know, that's interesting. I guess I hadn't really noticed that, um, that it hadn't been renewed yet. Um, and on the one hand, I mean, it kind of makes sense because, like... I remember for the first couple of seasons, there was there was like a lot of rumors and speculation that the show was only going to go three seasons. Um, but what makes me think it might go longer now is that, well, for one thing, there's still, you know, some unanswered questions about like, you know, what happened to Ahsoka and, you know, we're still seeing like the rebellion forming and all this kind of stuff. Plus, you got to get to the point where they've got like X-Wings and you know, all that kind of stuff, I would think. Um, but then also, like, even just watching some of the Rebels Recon videos and stuff like that, after Rogue One came out, it seemed like Dave Filoni and Pablo Hidalgo and some of those guys were really excited about, like, oh, we've known about some of this stuff for Rogue One for a long time. Um, and, you know, now that it's finally out there in the movie, now we're really excited about what we can do with the show and starting to build towards that and incorporate some of these things and yada, yada, yada. Um so, yeah, I mean, I would like to see it go, you know, maybe one more season at least. Um, and if it does end this season, um, you know, I guess I wouldn't be, like, terribly disappointed as long as they can wrap it up, you know, in a, a satisfactory manner. Um, you know, don't leave us hanging like Clone Wars did. Yeah. Um, and obviously that wasn't intentional. Like, I just hope that however and whenever this show ends, I hope they get to end it on their terms exactly um you know that they get to plan out an ending and then execute that so which which makes me think you know being how dave filoni's in charge and knowing what happened on clone wars he probably planned ahead for that and maybe even when the series began have it knowing it's going to be more have a planned ending in a shorter series than what they had in mind for clone wars so yeah i like to think too of the last bit of Rebels is going to lead in pretty closely to Rogue One, where Hera ends up on Yavin with whoever's left of the crew. So, to me, I think there's still a season left of stories that they got to tell with this crew and leading up to that. Yeah, I agree. Um, unless, I mean, we'll see what happens with these with this uh, Mandalorian 
you know, episode coming up. Because, like, I don't know, maybe Sabine will leave the crew and end up just, like, becoming the leader of Mandalore instead. Yeah, I can see um, that happening, too. And then, you know, suddenly it would be like, oh, well, this is the season where everybody's kind of, like, finding their, their final place. Um, yeah, she could, like, be the first character who leaves the group and goes on her own path. And then maybe in the next season we'll start seeing that for the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's always hard to kind of imagine everything that's going to happen in like the 22 minute episode just from one sentence. I um, know. <laughs> you know. But again, that's what we do. We can't help it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know, but it's just like you know, the the description seems so simple, but it's like, yeah, but there's is so much more that they could cram in that we just don't know about. I'm like, if cuz based on just these descriptions, I'm like, man, but there's got to be more that they still have to tell, right? Like, yeah. I, it almost makes it sound like it would be disappointing if they just ended on these episodes. But then I'm like, they could pack in so much more that we aren't expecting right now that could make for a really satisfying season finale. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Especially, I mean, heck, even though it's not the last episode, like, what better way to end a series than, you know, finally getting the rematch of Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul? Like you know, after 18 years or whatever, how long it's been. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and we got to remember, too, I mean, th- these descriptions, they kind of don't seem like season finale type episodes where it gets you really pumped like Twilight of the Apprentice was. But again, we know how awesome a job they do with season finales. So even though it's not in the description, there's going to be some big stuff to go down in these episodes. I'm oh sure. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean to me, even like, I think this does sound like, I mean, Twilight of the Apprentice was on a level all its own, but I <laughs> think, true. I think this will make for a good, um, I mean, it should be right up there with like the season one finale. Mm. Um, and that whole three parter, um, now as for what you were saying about, you know, uh, Ezra maybe trying to recruit Obi-Wan or something like that as his, you know, attempting to rally help from an unexpected source. I mean, I could kind of see that, but at the same time, like, and I don't feel as strongly as you do about Obi-Wan, like never leaving Tatooine. Like I could maybe see that happening for the right reason, but like, what difference is he going to really be able to make here if Thrawn has the entire rebel base under siege? with an entire fleet like you know as much as i love the jedi and the force and think they're really cool and really powerful and everything like i don't think i'd be going after one you know aging jedi master living alone in the desert and expecting him to turn the tide of a a giant planetary siege like i'm thinking maybe ezra goes for like you know maybe the rebels need reinforcements and he tries to rally an army of you know, scoundrels and scum and villainy and gets like Hondo and Lando and all those guys to come help. Um, yeah, I, 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 as much as I love Hondo, I hope it's not something like that where just you get Hondo again where we've seen before in these a lot of episodes. Yeah, well, see, and I think that I actually would kind of like to see that, except I don't want to have like Hondo and, you know, a band of just like, random pirate guys be the ones to turn the tide against Thrawn. Um, but... Hey, if he goes get I don't know. Uh, Wolf and Gregor and maybe some other clones, oh, I'll be that. <laughs> dude, man, that would be awesome. Um, but also maybe like... 
What else could he? I mean, he could get like Wookiees or some other alien race to come and join the fight. Um, so, or what if it's Bendu? Oh, well, Not I, can see where I mean, Bendu to... is already on the planet. Yeah, but it could be where, you know, I don't want to get involved. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's just what I'm saying. Well, that would be an interesting choice because, yeah, he, he, I mean, he's just kind of looking to a, a local resource. But I'm wondering, like, is Bendu the type that would get involved in a fight like that? Or, I mean, he says he's the one in the middle between the dark side and the light side. So is he really trying to sort of preserve any kind of balance or is he just kind of nudging little things along the way and just letting things work themselves out and he's just kind of the calm at the center of the storm? Um but man, I don't know that that definitely would be cool to see. Like, I can't even imagine. I mean, just Ben do like fighting stormtroopers would be awesome because he would just be like punching them and smashing them, and like they would stand no chance. But then, like, what could he do with the Force? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, obviously, I mean, we know he's very in tune with the Force. Like, according to him, he makes it sound like he is part of the Force. And so, like, what kind of Force powers could that guy use? I know who knows what secrets of the planet he holds as far as like to use as weapons through the force that he can mm -hmm. take out the empire and their ships with. Yeah. But also, I mean, I wonder if, Ooh, wait, uh, what do you got? Well, I'm just, uh, I'm thinking about all these other different options of like, you know, who Ezra could be rallying help from. And at first I was just thinking like, maybe he goes to the other rebels for help because we know like this is, it's basically just Phoenix squadron that's trapped mm -hmm. on this base and that, you know, the rest of the rebels are still kind of scattered elsewhere. So maybe he will go rally help from, you know, Bail Organa or Mon Mothma or something. Maybe that'll be the first time we see X-Wings show up. There um, you go. You know, he'll yeah. have to convince <laughs> the other rebels to come help and they'll be like, well, you know, we're still trying to kind of keep a low profile and, and not really band together as a big military resistance yet but i mean yeah you make a good case like your friends are in need and everything and it just so happens we've got some new ships that we've been wanting to test out um so yeah that could be really cool to see i mean maybe he even goes and like recruits admiral radis or something um but the the other thing that was making me go oh that could be cool is like maybe he goes to saw Gerrera. Yeah, that's um, very possible. Maybe Saw just, like, blows Thrawn's ship to smithereens and murders everybody, and that's his uh, extreme violent ways that the rest of the Rebels are put off by. Yeah, I kind of like your idea, what you're saying about getting other Rebel cells. I mean, that'd make for a pretty awesome finale to see some X-Wings mm -hmm. <laughs> fly into space or onto the surface of the planet take out some star from some tie fighters for the first time on the rebel on the show so yeah yeah i could see that happening being pretty cool yeah i mean it could be like the season one finale 2.0 yeah like, you know uh, when you saw just like the the corellian corvettes come in with a couple of a-wings and they you know took out the tie fighters that were you know chasing after uh you know everybody in their stolen tie fighters as they were trying to get away um and that was the first time that we were like, hey, rebel ships. Um, but now <laughs> it could be like, hey, X-Wings and Y-Wings and like rebel fleet. Yeah, so. it's potentially be pretty cool. I mean, again, <laughs> we've only got what 
just a little over a month before these uh, season finale for season three. But yeah, this, these descriptions are getting speculations going crazy and all the possibilities of what could go down. Oh, yeah. Question is, well, no, I was going to say, like, question is, are we going to get another trailer for it? But we already got, like, sort of the season two or, you know, the, the season yeah. three part two trailer. Um, I mean, we could get something that specifically for the finale. Did they do that for Twilight of the Apprentice? Like, it was a little, like, a Soka uh, focused trailer? I think they did. And you know what? I'm going to go look it up on YouTube right now and see if I can find it. But I'm pretty sure they did do something like that. Yeah, I mean, they could, depending if he'll play a major factor in the other two episodes, Zero Hours, and part one and two, if Obi Wan is going to be in all three, they could do a trailer that kind of centers around him and this time with Clone Wars and Maul and all that to mm-hmm. make it even more epic in anticipation for a showdown with Maul and this to what's to come. Because I know for Ahsoka, they kind of did it for uh, for the season five finale, but part of me thinks they did it again for the Twilight of the Apprentice. Hmm. You know, it might actually it might have just been the season two like the second half of the season trailer maybe a thing of a fan trailer or something that was somewhat yeah, put together maybe. or i mean it could have been just like you know one of the like short teasers that they put on disney xd or something that maybe i'm just not finding on uh youtube here but uh, well, I wouldn't um, rule it out of the realm of possibilities to get like one more, maybe a shorter trailer that just focuses on the finale. Yeah. I mean, well, actually, yeah, it looks like there might have been like a 30-second spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm looking at one on YouTube right now, and it, yeah, it looked like there was just like a 30-second promo, like commercial from um, Disney XD, but... I don't know, not like a full trailer or anything. But maybe we won't complain if we get another one. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Because at this point, you know, if there is something big going to go down in the finale, they're not going to reveal what it is in the trailer. They're just going to show some cool stuff to get you hyped up for it even more. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the big thing going down is the Maul versus Obi-Wan fight, and they did, you know, show that, just like yeah, in exactly. Season 2, and they showed the Vader and Ahsoka uh, Yeah, that's not even the finale. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I know, what makes you think of something as big as that is going down in the third to last episode, what could possibly happen in the finale that could top that, if it could even top that? Yeah, who knows if it actually will, but I think, you know, they wanted to just sort of get that out of the way first as more of a... Um, I mean, it is kind of more of a side story, I guess, as cool as that's going to be to see. And as much as it's, you know, super exciting and we've all been wanting to see it for a long time, as far as the actual characters of Rebels, um, you know, obviously their battle with Thrawn, I think, is more important to like the overall storyline of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially the fact that, you know, I think they've gone out of their way with Rebels to like not make it like Clone Wars, where you've just got random episodes and story arcs that kind of go off every which way but like pretty much every episode focuses on at least one member of the ghost crew um and you know normally it's the whole crew so i think maybe even the reason that 
they're having Ezra go off and be involved in this you know, Maul and Obi-Wan confrontation is so that it doesn't just feel like a random standalone episode just focusing on Maul and Obi-Wan. Like they want to somehow be able to tie it into the ongoing story with the ghost crew. Yeah, that's true. Which makes sense because Maul is tied into Ezra's character arc for the season two. So uh, totally. <laughs> I'm, I'm not complaining that Ezra is going to be there. I just hope that he doesn't end up, you know, stealing too much of the spotlight from obi-wan yep i agree and either way these last three episodes sound like it's going to be a great way to end the season yep and possibly the series but who knows yeah, hopefully not but yeah i still think they got one more left in them. yeah i would hope so either way i mean you can definitely tell they're they're ramping up for other things with this whole report of you know dave filoni changing positions and being sort of the head of all the animation stuff going on exactly um so i mean just sort of like with clone wars ending um and you know man as depressing as it was when that happened when you know we immediately found out afterwards that it was like hey a there's still more clone wars episodes coming and b there's another animated series coming it's like that kind of softened the blow a little bit it was like oh okay well you know at least we'll still have something um and I'm definitely not as, like, attached to Rebels as I was to Clone Wars. Um, and, you know, obviously knowing now, like... Because at the time, Clone Wars was really the only Star Wars thing going on. It wasn't in this time when we had, you know, all these new Star Wars stories coming out. So, um, you know, with Rebels, um, as much as I would love to see that continue, like, if that gets canceled, I'm going to be even more willing to just, like, well, let's jump on to the next thing and, you know, see what they're coming up with next. So, um, and should definitely be cool to see, like, you know, if we get maybe an announcement of that at, uh, Celebration this year, too, and see, um, you know, maybe what's coming up next for any possible future animated shows. Yep, because you know it's coming. <laughs> like you mm -hmm. said, it's kind of almost one of those worst kept secret things. They haven't officially announced it or hinted towards it, but come on, we all know <laughs> what's going to go down pretty soon. Yeah, as far well, as Lucasfilm animation. And I don't think that even has to be kept a secret. Like it is pretty impressive that we haven't really heard any like rumors or leaks or anything about what that next series is going to be. Um, which you know makes sense because it's not like they're even really working on it yet at this point. I mean, I'm sure they're working on like concept art and just you know scripts and story ideas and stuff. But um, you know, I haven't heard anything about like oh rumor that they're working on a show set in you know in between episode six and seven or set in the old republic or set in the the Clone Wars or the Dark Times or whatever. Um, so that'll be a very exciting reveal if they can keep it a secret for that long. Yep. Hopefully it won't be much longer and they announce that celebration Orlando. I just have a feeling yeah. they are. Oh yeah, no, that's what I mean. I'm just talking about for the next, you know, couple months until then, if we oh, okay. you know, <laughs> don't get it. No, I'm not talking about like until the show airs or something like that. Oh yeah. Um, well, thankfully we got these episodes of rebels to, <laughs> to fill the void. Oh yeah, definitely. I can't believe it's like only, you know, like five weeks away or something. I know. Season's something like flown that. by. It's yeah. Crazy. But I'm sure it's going to go out with a bang. So bring it on. Yep. All right. And good things already about this upcoming episode on uh, the legacy of Mandalore. So it should come back with a bang too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, I, yeah. If it's anywhere close to as good as Trials of the Darksaber was, then, uh, 
yeah, we're in for another treat. So, um, and then lastly, before we wrap up here, um, the other big news that came out recently, we have a, uh, general date at least a release year for the star wars lands at uh, the disney theme parks um and those are going to be opening in 2019 um we don't have a specific you know date or time window as far as like time of the year um but i think it's pretty safe to say i don't know like maybe summer would be a good bet just because like you know that's when everybody goes to disneyland and stuff when kids are on summer vacation and all that um, but I think if not in the summer, then probably around the time that episode nine comes out. Um, but either way, it's going to be coming out the same year as episode nine. So, you know, they'll have some nice tie in there. Um, and we'll get to, uh, see the last episode of this sequel trilogy and then go visit the new park at Disneyland and where, you know, they've got all the, uh, that new content in there. So, man, that is going to be super awesome. Uh, you know, it's still a ways off, obviously, um, but, you know, like you said, we've got so much other cool stuff going on in the meantime. I'm like, I can wait. One thing's for sure. 2019 is going to be an awesome year for Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 9, the Star Wars lands. And, I mean, I'm kind of thinking there could be two perfect times it could open. If, uh, Well, regardless if it's Celebration is in Orlando again or Anaheim, because Disney theme parks are in both areas. If it opens on whenever the next Celebration for that year is going to be, because how cool is that? Uh, experience would be to go to celebration and go to the new star wars land or that same weekend or that same week or like you said maybe tie it more into the release of episode nine to kind of you know be the final curtain on this new trilogy to have it go out with a theme park opening that's going to include aspects of the whole trilogy uh, into its uh, attraction so yeah i mean 2019 is when it's going to open, but regardless of when, uh, I think it's going to be packed to the gills whenever mm-hmm. <laughs> it decides to open. So, I mean, it's going to be cool to plan and have that year set uh, to look forward to this theme park. But as far as when be the best time to go, uh, that's probably going to be a while because I have a, I can't imagine this not being crowded. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for a long time when it opens. So. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, like as much as I you know, would love to go and well, I, I mean, I'm going to go at some point for sure, but you know, I don't really have any desire to be like one of the first people in line, like on the first day it opens because it's just going to be chaos and, and, you know, masses yeah. of people everywhere. Like, you Your know, whole and, day will probably be spent online just for the two rides they're going to have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, I don't want to wait too long. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, I'll just wait. Like, you know, I'll go two years later once the crowds have died down. Like, no, I still definitely got to get in there at some point. But, you know, I might wait like six months or something. Um, or at least go like at a time of year where, you know, maybe go in the fall or something and not like either in the summer or like around Christmas time or something like that. Um so, yeah, I'll, I'll try to, you know, at least be smart about trying to avoid the massive crowds. But like you said, I'm sure no matter when you go for like the first year or so, it's still going to be pretty packed. Um, yeah, but, better plan on a Disneyland weekend or a week, not yeah. just for a day. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, for sure. Like, you got to do that anyways. Um, 
Maybe the one good thing will be that'll attract more of the crowds that Star Wars lands, so the rest of the park will be emptier than usual. <laughs> you can go on all the other rides. Yeah, but then I'll just be on all the other rides, sad that I'm not at Star Wars land. Except on Star Tours. <laughs> well, yeah. Unless they, you know, yeah, they're not really planning to move Star Tours in there, are they? No, I, I mean, heard about not that. that I've heard, but it would just make a lot of sense if they did. Maybe but, they will eventually, but I don't know. For right now, I'll just keep it as it is, just to have this open in 2019. Because I, I mean, when you think about it, it, I don't know. But to me, it seems like a short amount of time to have to wait for it to open. But when they announced it uh, in 2015, so just four years, yeah, to me that's pretty short. Where I thought it may have been five or more, but especially how massive and they kept saying how it's going to be. But to get it done in four years, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I guess I was kind of expecting it by like 2018, maybe, but well, that um, really quick. <laughs> yeah, but even by 2019, yeah, it's not, uh, you know, not too much time. Um, and you said it was just 2015 when they announced it? Yeah, I believe it was at the D23 of 2015. Oh, okay. I guess for some reason it felt like it's been longer than that, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's one of those things where... You know, it'll just get here when it gets here. Um, yeah, tw- saying 2019 sounds like it's so far away, but it's only two years away. <laughs> yeah. Still getting used to the same 2017 that we're in that year. Yeah. Well, except if it comes out towards the end of 2019, like around the time that episode nine comes out, then it will be more like three years. But we'll see, you know, what happens there. Yeah. Regardless, it's coming sooner rather than later. That's yeah, cool. and either way, like even if it is a long time to wait, we've got new movies coming out before then, and Rebels, and Battlefront, and all this other good stuff. So we got plenty of other Star Wars goodness going on to pass the time. The Star Wars land's gonna be like the icing on the cake of this awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> cake that's been baked for us Star Wars fans, and that's gonna top it all off. Yeah. Man, but it's like, if it's as good as we're hoping, like, that's not going to be icing on the cake. That's going to be another cake. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like episode nine will be like the final layer of like a three-tiered cake. And then they'll be like, okay, now here, have another cake. <laughs> you know, that's actually a better analogy. So. <laughs> Just keep the cakes coming. <laughs> Amen to that. Um. Yeah, well, I think we are just about done for now, except before we wrap up, I know we've got some, uh, like we said at the beginning, um, we've had some goings-on on on Twitter with uh, some of you listeners out there um, who apparently are bigger fans of Ewok music than we were aware of. (laughs) Apparently, or it depends on what type of Ewok music. (laughs) No, but yeah, so a few weeks ago on January 31st, that was the 20th anniversary of star wars special edition which that to me is really weird to say the thing that celebrated 20 years of star wars is now 20 years old (laughs) (laughs) that blows my mind so with that i sent the tweet out asking for some of our followers and listeners responses about their favorite and least favorite moments and changes from the special edition so we got a few replies to that twitter question that i'm going to share um first off uh stefan livsey says his favorite Star Wars edition was to do back in A New Hope, and his least favorite was the alert my Star Destroyer to prepare for my arrival in The Empire Strikes Back. And I 100% agree with that. I mean, it sounds like a simple thing, but that line change of Darth Vader 
still bugs me to this day. I just loved how he said in the original version, just bring my shuttle, that he was so annoyed at what happened with Luke and just upset of the events that took place that he's just ordering his troops to bring his shuttle. But in the special edition, it just sounded, you know, so proper, like, just, you know, bring my shuttle and have it prepare for me to arrive. Like, nothing happened with him and Luke. That's a change I wish they'd go back. So I agree with you, Stefan, on that one. And then Richard, uh, I'm going to say his uh, Twitter handle, right? It's uh, Richard uh, with a vengeance at the Rick Salinger. He says, the celebration song from Jedi. That's his least favorite. He says, maybe subconsciously because the old one was also the theme of the Ewoks cartoon show, which I can definitely see if you've been familiar with the song for so long, it'd probably be pretty jarring to hear a change from it. And then Mama Nadon at SW Hammerhead. Uh, he's not a big fan of the special editions. He says, there are no good changes to the original trilogy with the 1997 reissues. They feel forced, out of place, unwarranted, and unnecessary. And while I respectfully disagree with that opinion, I know there are some scenes in there that feel unnecessary, but I think there's definitely plenty that add to Star Wars and the original trilogy that make it better. And then Amanda at Star Wars Fangirl says, I like the Sandcrawler change, but I cringe at the added Java scene. And yeah, the Sandcrawler change, that's another one where it's small, but when you go back and look at the old shot, and she uh, sent in two screenshots of comparing the two, <laughs> you can definitely see how much of an improvement that Sandcrawler shot is. Kind of similar to how the shot of Obi-Wan's uh, home was improved on in the special edition too. So that was a good call. And then Richard Church at Richard Church 16. He says, my favorite changes were the Battle of Yavin, Ian McDermott in The Empire Strikes Back, which is actually on the DVD, but it still counts as a change. And then he goes, the Tatooine stuff. Like the added Java scene, the updated Sandcrawler and the Moss Eisley entrance, though it's kind of cheesy with the iffy CGI. Another one I like is the detail in the Cloud City, like the added backgrounds and ships. And then our good buddy Paul Herman chimed in saying, Java included a new hope. I lost my mind when that happened. Yeah, that's, that scene gets, you know, ragged on quite a bit, but if you, especially the first iteration, that CG Java does not hold up well. It didn't really look that good back then. No. <laughs> they approved it on the DVD, and it's still not perfect, but it's definitely better than the 1997 special edition. But I still like that scene, though. I think it is cool to have in there to have Han and Java meet to know what their relationship was like before, you know, what happens in Return of the Jedi. So I am glad that that scene is still in there. But then we get to the big one from Tom McKellen, who says, uh, added that, you know, we've got to the change with the victory celebration and Yub Nub. And Tom is a big proponent of Yub Nub and how I couldn't believe they changed that. And we decided to take it to a Twitter poll to see who agreed with Tom in thinking that Yub Nub was a better ending or with you and me, Kyle, who think that victory celebration is a much better way to end the trilogy on with that song yeah well first of all i mean before we even put it to a twitter poll like we were going back and forth for hours like debating this and it basically turned into a gif war with tom (laughs) like dubbing himself the dark lord of gifs and posting like gifts of vader choking people to everything we were saying and it was hugely entertaining um but yeah, then we we went ahead and we were like, well, this has been going on long enough. And we had some other, you know, some of these other listeners chiming in too and, you know, people that we follow on Twitter and stuff. Um, and basically, you know, we just, we 
it went on long enough that we were like, okay, well, let's see what everybody thinks. And you went ahead and did a poll. And, uh, well, what were the results of said poll? Well, coming in at 41% was a victory celebration. And sadly, Yum Nub has won with 59%. <laughs> so, yes, the people have spoken, at least those who follow us on Twitter, <laughs> and are agreeing with Tom that Yum Nub is the better song that they prefer, which I respectfully disagree because that ending theme song at the time I thought was the perfect way to end up the Star Wars saga. It didn't feel, you know, cheesy like the Yub Nub song could be as a, a way to wrap up the saga, but the victory celebration really fit the moment. Uh, it fit the, you know, the seriousness of, well, you know, not total seriousness and <laughs> what Star Wars being a fictional stories, but this, I think it perfectly captured the ending of the saga that was told from, you know, at that time, just with episodes four five and six and just emotionally it fit too with Luke redeeming Darth Vader too. And the rebels earning their victory against the empire and Yum Nub just felt a little too silly to wrap up the trilogy that way, which is why I prefer victory celebration. But I think, I don't know if it's mainly the nostalgia factor or people just love the Yum Nub song thinking the way I do about the victory celebration. If, you do that's fine but yeah that was the clear winner at 59 percent. and then after that another gift war started <laughs> with you know tom uh, rightfully so bragging about his victory but then we had you know paul chiming in and then richard church again chiming in with some gifts and then also uh, eric at uh, london's dark was chiming in with some funny gifts too so yeah it was just a lot of fun hearing people's reactions to the special editions and what they liked, what they didn't like, and then taking it to a whole nother level with the Yub Nub <laughs> victory celebration debate. So it was a lot of fun. So thanks for getting that started, Tom, as far as Yub Nub <laughs> goes. And then just everyone else for their responses of their special edition reaction. So thanks yeah, for Yeah, all those GIFs and, and Twitter replies and stuff. I mean, my phone was blowing up, like, targeted with single reactor ignition. Um <laughs> But man, yeah, I obviously I totally agree with you. Like, I think, I mean, not that Yub Nub is like a particularly bad song or anything, but I think Victory Celebration just fits so much better. Mm. Um, but I'm also not one of those people that, I mean, I grew up with the original trilogy, but I say grew up as in I was like probably four or five. I think I was like four when I saw those movies for the first time um, and watched them all on. VHS actually interesting story like I, I watched them all on VHS over and over again as a kid um, from the time I was four up till I was probably about 10 I think was when we moved from Massachusetts to Arizona and those VHS tapes got left in storage in Massachusetts because like we didn't uh. bring all of our stuff <laughs> out here with us um, somehow I did manage to bring the VHS of the Phantom Menace out with me but left the original trilogy movies behind which uh, I know is like sacrilege but hey I was you know, 10 at the time and, you know, took like the newest one. I don't even remember exactly how the whole process went, like why I took one and not the rest. I might not have even been the one that picked it, but you know, stuff got lost in the shuffle. It got left behind, whatever. Um, so then obviously like once I moved out here, episodes two and three came out. I saw those in the theater. I got those on video. I didn't, I don't think I actually saw the original trilogy again until we bought those on DVD. And I want to say we got those in like 06 because it was like the year after Revenge of the Sith came out. We had Revenge of the Sith on DVD. And then we finally were like, I was like, I want to 
see these again and like got the original trilogy on DVD. Um, and so, I mean, obviously I had seen the unaltered versions, but you know, I was so young that like, I didn't necessarily note the, you know, all the different changes. I do remember knowing that the Jabba scene was added in later. Cause I remember like winning an argument with my sister about that, but stuff like Yub Nub and, you know, some of the other things I didn't even notice had been changed, um, when I saw the DVDs. Um, and so like some of these things I have to go back and like watch on YouTube and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's what it was like in the original one. Um, and so I just, you know, I don't have that like nostalgic connection with it that some people might, um, and I guess, you know, as a kid, like, obviously, like I said, I watched that movie a bunch of times. And Return of the Jedi actually was, like, always my favorite one as a kid growing up. Um, and it's probably still my favorite one now, even though it goes back and forth with Empire Strikes Back a lot now. But, um, yeah, that just wasn't something about it that particularly stood out to me. So, you know, when I got the new versions with Victory Celebration, I was, like, you know, I, I loved that track a lot. And then once I kind of realized there was probably, you know, as a teenager or whatever, I was like, oh, wait, it used to be something else. Like, and, you know, I heard that and I was like, oh, well, that's interesting, I guess. But that's <laughs> like the Ewok Cantina band song or something like that. Like, it's not a good, you know, trilogy ending, you know, dramatic moment kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I prefer Victory Celebration. In fact, if you're talking about favorite and least favorite uh changes made to the special editions i would probably say that the victory celebration is my favorite change um at least for the 97 versions um and probably i mean it's one of the better ones in general i think um no oh, yeah i agree of course i still don't have like every um yeah i, I don't have like every change memorized from you know, all the, cause again, I still haven't seen like the original unaltered version since I was a little kid. So, um, you know, I don't notice like every single you know, thing that's changed, but you know, any of the big things where scenes have changed or they change the music or whatever. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that one is a big improvement. And then as far as least favorite changes for 97 version. And again, I did, I never had the special editions in 97, like on home video, but I did go to the theater to see those. And I don't remember this standing out to me as a kid, but that Jabba scene, man, again, like I saw it years later on DVD. And like you said, in the DVD version, he looks a lot better. And I would like read stuff online where people were bashing, you know, the special editions and all these changes that he made and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, the CGI Jabba looks terrible and stuff. And I was like, what are people complaining about? Like, it doesn't look that bad until I stumbled across one time, you know, somebody said like, oh, well, he looked bad in 97 <laughs> and then they made it better on the DVD. And so I was like, oh, well, what did he look like in 97? And uh, I looked it up on YouTube and watched that original version of the scene. And I was like, oh, my eyes. <laughs> um, so that one was pretty terrible. By the way, I'm surprised that, I mean, I know this is kind of like the cliche one, but I'm surprised nobody said their their least favorite uh, change was Greedo shooting first. But I guess maybe yeah. people have gotten over that by now and realized that it doesn't make that big of a difference. Um, so. but my least favorite change that has ever been made to any of them, um, is 
Like you, it's a Vader line, but it's not from Empire Strikes Back, and it's not from the 97 versions. It's that horrendous moment at the end of Return of the Jedi on the Blu-ray when he's watching Luke get electrocuted and goes to pick up Palpatine and is like, No! No! I'm like, oh. Like, I still watch Return of the Jedi on DVD. Like. Wow. <laughs> It's, so you're sacrificing quality picture-wise. Well, I mean, uh, I've watched it on Blu-ray like at least once, maybe twice. I don't remember, but uh, it's uh, it kills me. Like, it's a small thing that I should be able to get over. And if it were anywhere else in the movie, I would probably be fine with it. But it's like when, yeah, you watch it in better quality and they've touched up some of the effects. And I mean, I, I do like that they made the lightsabers look better in that final lightsaber battle and everything like that. Um, although the blinking Ewoks are also a little creepy. Actually, it's not the blinking that bugs me. It's the pupils. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I'm like, oh, wait, they're blinking and they weren't doing that before, but that's not bothering me. But something else is, what is it? These Ewoks do not look natural. Um, yeah, it's, it's the pupils on Wicket that are just unnerving. Um, but man, it's just like when you get through the whole movie and it's all about, you know, Luke redeeming his father and everything. And you finally get to the big climactic moment that decides the fate of the movie and the trilogy and was basically the pivotal moment of the saga at that point. And you just make Vader sound like a derpy little. I'm like, <laughs> I can't watch it. Like, I shouldn't let something small like that ruin the whole movie for me, but, like, it kind of does. And, obviously, I mean, it doesn't, like, make the rest of the movie bad, but it's just, I don't want to watch the rest of it dreading that part that's coming. Wow, I actually never knew you felt that strongly about it. I oh, know yeah. you didn't like it, no, but... <laughs> I, I... And, again, like... On the one hand, I'm like, yeah, it is a small thing, but it's just, I... I... I very strongly dislike it. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I mean, I prefer it not to be in there. And I remember when it kind of first leaked online, it's like, that's not real. I think that's just a fan-made thing. It was yeah. like, nope, it's real. But I think it's one of those things where I just come to terms with it, where you know it's been over five years now, kind of accepted it. But I guess the more I watch it, the more... I'm getting used to it, even though it's it's never going to feel right. But Yeah, it's like finding a hair in your soup or something like that. It's like, does it really make the whole bowl of soup inedible? Not really. Is it the worst thing that could ever happen to you? No, I could get over it. But I just really, really, really wish it weren't there. <laughs> and then you don't want to eat the rest of your soup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, it's good. Like I said, it's hard to argue with the reason why you don't like it. Cause, yeah, I mean, I can even kind of know what Lucas was going for too. I could see what he wanted to do. You know, even mirroring *Revenge of the Sith*, and that gets flack for on its own with that no sequence. Mm -hmm. But it just the delivery of it wasn't good. Whatever take that was for what James Earl Jones did. It just... Yeah, and especially it's it's really the first no that bugs me. Like. Because the second one, when he says, no, like, as he's picking up Palpatine, I'm like, unnecessary. Like, again, you know, you're just kind of taking that same thing from Revenge of the Sith, and we don't need to bring that back here. But it's the first one where he just kind of, like, is looking down at Luke, and then he looks up at Palpatine, and he's like, 
no. Like, he sounds like he's asking himself a question. It's just, <laughs> it, it boggles my mind. Like, it's it sounds so dumb. And, you know, again, it's, it's kind of a small thing, but at the same time, I'm just like, why is it even in there? So... Yeah, that's that's my feelings on that. Um, and <laughs> Tell me for, how you really feel about it. <laughs> and for all the people who for years were complaining about, you know, how George ruined the movies with, you know, Han and Greedo and, oh, Han shot first and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, guys, what's the big deal? Like, it's not, you know, I don't care who shot first. Like, now I understand how you feel. Because in my opinion, like, the, the Vader yelling no is... Um, that, that's like, I, I feel like that's my generation's Greedo shooting first. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think out of all of them, like you said, that probably is the one that irks me the most out of all the changes, even though it doesn't necessarily ruin it for me, but yeah, it's definitely the one that if you can ask me what change would you immediately take out first? It'd be that one. The Darth Vader knows stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, but yeah, I guess, I mean, this isn't or way to say that the battle is fully over on Yubna versus the victory celebration. That's just a Twitter poll. If anyone listening wants to chime in and let us know which version they prefer, maybe you can get victory celebration up more to where it comes ahead of Yubna. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've got some alternative facts that say that victory celebration won. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, you went there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but man, yeah, I mean, that was a lot of fun. Um, interacting with everybody like that so um we'll have to get into some more heated debates in the future um but man like i was surprised that yub nub won by that much and again i i'm sure part of it is people you know just nostalgia from people who grew up with it like that but then it seems like a lot of the older fans who you know grew up with the original trilogy and stuff like don't generally tend to like the ewoks that much anyways I mean, I know some people do, but then, you know, there's the whole crowd of people that are like, oh, they're just, you know, teddy bears and it's dumb that they beat the Empire with spears and bows and arrows and stuff. And it's like, oh, well, you you hate the Ewoks, but you like their song at the end? Well, okay. Yeah, I remember when the Special Editions first came out and just a few people I knew who were like, saw the, the original ones in the theater, like in 1977, 83, and 80. Uh, said how much of an improvement the victory celebration was over Yub Dub. And this kind of more recently, I guess, once social media and the internet came around, started to see how much of an appreciation people had for Yub Dub, and it's carried on today. So, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where it, it seems like, you know, there's, I wouldn't say necessarily split right down the middle, especially if you're looking at our poll results where <laughs> Yub Dub was more than 50%. But you're, you're going to get a different answer from whoever you talk to among Star Wars fan and which one they like better. It seems like uh, it's one where it can go either way when you ask the question. Yeah. Now I want some brave soul out there to start a movement of people actually appreciating Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> it's going to happen. I, Jar Jar's been showing, I've been seeing some more support and love for Jar Jar over the years. So maybe by the time we get uh, 20 years of, well, that's only two years from now. So 20 years of the Phantom Menace, we'll see some more. Oh my gosh, now you're making me feel old. <laughs> I know that's going to be weird too, just like the special edition being 20. Yeah. 
Right. And then pretty soon we'll be saying 20 years ago, The Force Awakens came out. <laughs> oh, man. Ugh, don't even go there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'm like, that's far enough away that I'm like, I'm not even worried about that yet. <laughs> but as fast as these 20 years went, this is probably going to go by even faster these next 20. Yeah. And I'll be taking my kids to the movie theater to see, you know, episode 16 or something. Yeah. <laughs> You no, know, we should. Speaking of these re-releases, they should. I think it's about time we get another re-release of all the previous six Star Wars movies, especially the original trilogy, where, like I said, it's been 20 years since they've been in theaters, and the whole tagline for the special edition was that an entire generation has gone without seeing these movies on the big screen, and we're at that point again. So let's get a re-release for all the. Oh, you're talking about a theatrical re-release? Yeah. Oh me. heck yeah. Yeah, I probably should have said theatrical, <laughs> not just re-release. Yeah, I, I. Well, you know what. Oh, I'm wondering if it might be kind of late now. Like, I feel like they maybe would have announced this already. But, I mean, this year is going to be the 40th anniversary of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. And to the, you know, to at least do a re-release of that one, if not the whole, like, original trilogy, I think would be really awesome. Yeah, or I was um, even thinking maybe leading up to episode 9 release you know, see all the previous eight movies in the theater before you see the final one. Well, for this trilogy anyway. Yeah. I mean, I would love that, you know, obviously nowadays everybody's into like the marathon screenings and like for the force awakens, they did, um, you know, just the screenings were like, it was, you'd watch the marathon of all six movies, like in one day leading up to the force awakens at midnight. But I was hoping that they would have released all six in theaters for like a couple weeks beforehand. Um, Cause I'm not really, I mean, I've done a six movie star Wars marathon before, but I don't know if I want to sit in a theater for that long, especially like stories I heard from people who did do that. And just like, you know, it gets funky in there after a while. Um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'm sure we do, but not all of us, you know, nerdy fanboys have uh, the best hygiene. Um, but you know, it's like, yeah, give us the option to to spread it out. I want to be able to watch all six movies on the big screen again without having my butt go numb sitting there, you know, for an entire day. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's about time we get these re-releasing theaters again. Come on, Lucasfilm. Yeah, let's do it. But, um, yeah, anyway, hopefully we'll see that happen. Um, and, yeah, I wonder if even, like, if any local theaters would be allowed to, like, you know, do screenings of... You know the original movie just for the uh, the fortieth anniversary this year. We'll see. Hopefully, I'm sure there'll something... be some out there. I yeah, know, in certain areas. Hopefully, something good comes from that. And I'm sure that Celebration uh, Orlando will kind of be a celebration of that as well. So, oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be playing multiple days there. Yeah. Um, well, actually, yeah. At all the celebrations, they always do like screenings of uh, you know the movies on a big screen like every night. They do like you know two per night or something. I couldn't get into the Revenge of the Sith one at Celebration Anaheim. Oh, yeah, man. that would Because it was in 3D, too. Yeah. Like, I really wanted to see that. That was a big line. <laughs> it got there too late. Yeah, well. But maybe one of these days. But anyway, I think we are just about ready to wrap up and uh, save the rest of our speculation and hopes for re-releases and all that kind of stuff for another day. Um... But, uh, yeah, I mean, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? Nope, I think we got everything covered, but 
covered a lot of stuff on this episode. We so, did. Episode 8, Rebels, the Han Solo movie, Special Edition, Young Dub. I mean, it had it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because it was one of those episodes where, like, I think we got to, you know, maybe like an hour and a half or so and we we're done covering just about all the news stories and rumors and stuff. And I was like, oh, well, that was a short episode. But then we end up talking about the um, – you know, predictions for the Rebels finale and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, talking about Yub Nub and whatever. And here we are an hour later still going. So (laughs) never, yeah, never a shortage of good Star Wars conversations to be had. That's for darn sure. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, As always, you know, we appreciate you listening and, uh, you know, interacting with us on social media and voting in our fan polls, even if you chose poorly um, and all that fun <laughs> stuff. So um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can find us on Facebook at Star uh, Yeah, just Star Wars. The saga continues. Just type that in the Facebook search bar. Who uses Facebook.com slash blah, blah, blah. Um, you can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. Um, and especially, you know, we haven't gotten uh, too many emails from people recently, but um, now that we're, you know, kind of gearing up towards episode eight and getting a lot more rumors and stuff like that, um, you know, feel free to chime in with some speculation and uh, tell us, you know, who you think Ray's parents are, or who you think Snoke is, what you think of the Plagueis theory. Uh, if you care to defend Yubnub and want to write us a long expose on that, I don't care. Um, you know, always great to hear from you guys and uh, get to interact with fellow Star Wars fans. Um, let's see, Facebook, Twitter, email, and our website, uh, StarWarsTSC.com. You can find all our episodes there as well as news stories that we're posting and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that's going to do it for now. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. We will see you guys next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody.